Is your favorite Friday the 13th movie part 8 because you think the nerf face Jason is the best looking makeup ever? Do you think Hellraiser 3 is better than the first one? And is your DVD collection organized by a director and you find that your Alan Smithy collection is the biggest? Well then this episode is for you because tonight we're talking about guilty pleasures on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Well, hello, whoop, whoop. and welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your host, Insane Mike, and it's time once again to give you another <laughs> wonderful show. <laughs> this episode, we're going back to an older topic that we had way back in the day, way, way back in the day. That it's been so long since we've done that episode that I don't even remember it, so I'm probably going to talk about the same movies. And that is our Guilty Pleasures episode. So we're going to talk about Guilty Pleasures, movies that we love and everyone else hates, or movies that we are ashamed to admit that we like, or movies that we like that just seem kind of out of character for what you know about us. So, <clears throat> um, I love this topic. Because I don't have to do any prep work, and I uh, didn't have time to put together a new episode. So, <laughs> so let's get into that. But first, as always, it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. Now, this is a, a very, very, very small crew tonight. Tiny crew. Minuscule. One more word. Uh... Small. You already said. <laughs> okay. No, I said tiny. Oh. Teeny. Te- oh, damn it. Uh-huh. Teeny. Itsy bitsy. Uh-huh. Okay. <clears throat> First off, he thinks the strings on the ships in Plan 9 from Outer Space are an artistic choice. Jason Bollinger, everybody. Hey, What's up? Hi, guys. And lastly, yeah, already. <laughs> lastly, she thinks a remake of Jaws by the Sci-Fi Channel would be a great idea. Terry Turford. Hey, everybody. You would. So, so that's this is it for the crew, guys. Three, just three of us. Well, two and a half. Terry's coughing up lungs over there. Yeah, sorry, I sound a little gross. Um. So no Dustin tonight. No John Sullivan. But Terry's here, and she's sick. So, what's those other guys' excuses? Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. Dustin's on spring break, the dick. Yeah. Spring break? Spring break? Yeah. Yeah. He's in Florida right now. Oh, my God. I know. He could be doing a podcast in Florida. (laughs) Right? On the beach? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> so am i sounding okay tonight guys i'm sounding good i mean you still sound like you and we'll just yeah. have to deal with that but yeah. because i'm say. actually recording i'm actually recording <laughs> six feet literally from my router so 
if I start starting to do the robotic thing or start sounding choppy, then it must be your guys' computers, because... Or you're a robot. Well, that wasn't going to get revealed tonight. <laughs> that's on our next episode, Robots. Yeah. Uh, Wait, we did a robot already, episode. Oh, yeah, that's that. true. Yeah. <clears throat> but even because Dustin is not here, doesn't mean we still won't do his segment. Um, so before we get into the topic at hand... Let's talk about some killer news. Now it's time for killer news. Ripped straight from the headlines on attack on the killer podcast. So a few things we could talk about with this episode um, of killer news. Uh, The first thing I kind of want to bring up, uh, I'll bring up, I guess, maybe... um, one of the smaller, one of the smaller topics, um, how exciting it is that the new Mortal Kombat games coming out here on April fourteenth, and they've added Jason Voorhees and the Predator to the to the roster of characters you could play. That's mm. awesome. Sweet. I am definitely gonna get it. Like, for me, I'm not a big video game player, but. Uh, I do like the fighter games. I'm, I like Soul Calibur and Injustice is one of my favorites because it's superheroes. Mm-hmm. And that's about the only attention span I have or time for any video gaming is just like side by side combat or you know combat fighting. I but, still haven't played the one with uh, Freddy Krueger in it, and I really want to try that one out just for the heck of it. I did, and I was I was bummed because I got it because you know hey Freddy Krueger awesome I was excited. But I was bummed because it's remake Freddy Krueger. Oh. So it's I mean obviously well, fuck that. Yeah, obviously voice <laughs> doesn't doesn't matter. But it, the look of them is that kind of like burnt up, you know, missing nose and all that that uh, Rorschach wore in in the remake. <laughs> What's his so, name? I was I'm just gonna always call him Rorschach. I can never. Yeah, remember. I can't ever remember his name either. Jackie Haley Osmond Olsen. <laughs> Smith and Wesson. I don't know. (laughs) But this is even cooler because it's my boy Jason Voorhees. Jason Voorhees, and it's been proven, could kick Freddy's ass any day of the week. Oh, my God. That's so not true. You are outnumbered right now, sir. That's true. Did you see the end of that movie? Uh, Yeah, Yeah, easy. He winked. He winked. Oh, okay. That means he's in control. That, okay, he's he's just ahead. What's he gonna do? Bite Jason's um, knees? Freddy can do whatever he wants because he's Freddy. Yeah, he's just playing with Jason right now. Yeah. So could Jason. Jason could do whatever he wants because he is a bad motherfucker. Whatever, man. Ah. Freddy all the way. I'm just saying. Freddy. 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 Freddy was Jason's little bitch in that movie. Whatever. But did you watch it? Because Freddy was making Jason do all sorts of shit. I don't remember Freddy picking Jason up and slamming him through the window and then all the way down through the wall of of the cabin. I don't remember that. I don't remember Freddy ripping off um, Jason's gloved arm and shoving it through his own chest. 
don't J- remember. Okay. Jason doesn't J- have a club. Jason's got the brute force. I'll give you that. But yeah, Freddy, that's all you need. <laughs> but Freddie will fuck with you two ways to Sunday. Like he's just more badass and maniacal and awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> Mike's gonna start using two two ways to Sunday now. So <laughs> thanks a lot, Terry. Yeah, two ways to Sunday. <laughs> Jason doesn't wear a Christmas sweater. Thank you. Oh. Oh, blood. Well, Freddy's not into sports like your hockey guy. Yeah, and hockey's yeah. cool. What? You just and, said the sport was cool? Yeah, hockey's cool. Uh-huh. Because you watch it for the fights. You don't watch it for the actual game. It's like NASCAR. You know they're going to go around in a circle. You just hope for an accident. That's awful. That's terrible. What? <laughs> Yeah, you're, could you're awful. You? So anyway, J- Jason <laughs> and Predator in the new Mortal Kombat. And and honestly, as much as I love Jason, I'm just as equally excited, if not more excited, about Predator. Because I think yeah. his gameplay would be awesome. He'd be so badass. Yeah, you know, I hope... I mean, surely they will. And don't call me Shirley. Uh, um, I almost said it. I know, that's why I said it. You can do it. They should, you um, know what? Who they should put in those games? They should put fucking Ripley from Alien in those games. Get a badass female character in there. That would be cool. Well, like, I was. Because um, girls I, kick ass. I'm reminded yeah. about one of, like, um, <laughs> Dustin's very first Gore Games episode, and I've been infatuated with, with it ever since, and that is that Terradrome game. That basically is Mortal Kombat, but it is literally all just horror characters. Say what? Oh, you you haven't I you don't, don't know. know about that. Well, no. and it's it, it's nothing that's ever been officially released. I think you can only download it or something. We'll have to ask Dustin. Um, so Dustin, tell us about Terradrome. Uh, uh. Oh, that's right. He's not here. He's in Florida. <laughs> um, what a douche. <laughs> he listens to them now, so it Oh does oh, he? Yeah. I mean We love have you. Fun Dustin. <laughs> Your beard's awesome. Anyway. Uh Yeah, so because obviously it's it's just me it, it, from my understanding it's just like made by fanboys. Um and I think I think they use like the mortal, same Mortal Kombat search engine, but it's obviously they have no licensing rights for anything that they search use. Uh. Um, so, um, not search engine, just engine. Yeah, sorry. Um, um, but it had it, it, it's it digs pretty deep. It even got like Maniac Cop in there and like what That's Herbert crazy. West from Reanimator. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and Chucky and Jason and Freddie. The link for it, it is is on the website, I think. That must have oh, been okay. before I was on the show. Yeah, like I said, it was like I think it may have been is actually very, is even his very first board game. Hmm. If I remember right. But anyway, back to Mortal Kombat. Like you know, it'll be pretty cool because you know you can do that get that stealth mode with Predator, you know, and everything. Yeah, hopefully they'll have that. It'd, it'd be a huge um, mistake if they didn't include his invisibility cloaking but I'll probably just play as Jason all the time um, the only way to get it though is like it's it's like a combo pack that you either 
you either um, buy it separately from the game or you get like the collector's edition. So, but it comes with, but it also comes with extra skins where you can like change a couple of the Mortal Kombat characters into other Predator characters. Hmm. So that'll be cool. So you can like play as Arnold or whoever. Is it only going to be on like the PS4 though? I know the game's coming out on PS4, um, Xbox One, PS3, and 360. Oh, but, okay. But the PS3 and 360 uh, got delayed till June, till early, early part of June. Eh. So you have to wait till then for the older consoles. But anyway, it'll be awesome. I'm just gonna play like I'm gonna play as Jason all the time. Hope he's got a huge ass machete. It'll be sweet. It's because he's compensating. Uh huh. So moving on to other news. <laughs> <laughs> Um. So did you guys, did you guys hear about that? Uh, all this uh, convention controversy that's going on right now. No, what convention? What convention? There's what? controversy at a convention. You guys are the worst actors. <laughs> it's not like we talked about this like five minutes before we started recording. Um. <clears throat> So at one of the horror conventions, there somebody took a snapshot of, of a quote-unquote celebrity's booth, and the prices that they were charging, and posted it online, and it has just blown up the um, horror community online, because it's flat out ridiculous. So first off, it's a Walking Dead actor, and I, and you said it was who? Um. Alana something is what I was seeing. Yeah. But I'm not sure if that's 100% accurate. That's just what I'm seeing on here. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's accurate or not because my original resources said it was just somebody who was like a zombie in one scene in one episode. But, uh, and this this Alani Masterson is an actual character, right? Yeah, she plays Tara. Okay. So, so I don't know, but still though, even if it was like, I don't know, even if it was like freaking Norman Reedus himself, these prices are still ridiculous. Well, what are they? What's the... First of all, just a meet and greet, so just basically to say hi, is $10. That's no autograph, that's no picture, nothing. Just a, a meet and greet is $10. At this person's booth, this isn't like a meet and greet... You know, um, like uh, backstage or something kind of thing. No, this is just at the person's table. <clears throat> um, an autograph is $50. A selfie is $50. An autograph with a selfie is $80. Hmm. Outrageous. See, I'm, think- I'm thinking that it's possible that it would be one of the more main characters if they're charging for autographs and stuff. You know? Well, they all charge for autographs, even even those well, people I mean, who are like a one-time zombie. Yeah, but... But the uh, real controversy with it is that they're charging the to meet and greet them, yeah. to say yeah. hi. Yeah, and it's just opening up a whole can of worms about the whole convention thing on how, like, all these, all these autograph prices or, or a meet and greet or taking a picture with the person or whatever just continually just keeps going up. 
It does. It really does. Yeah. And it just it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And eventually, it's gonna it's gonna kill the market. I mean, it's it right now. It's so saturated anyway, anyway because it's like every other weekend. Show weekend the convention. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which I'm cool with. I would love to go to every single one of. Them. I would just I would just love that to be my life. You know, just conventions all the time. But um, but the price, yeah. But the pricing thing that could be something that could end up just like bottoming out the whole industry, really. Because eventually, yeah. eventually, all of us fanboys are just going to be like, you know, it's not worth it. Enough's enough. I'm not it, paying that. It's hardly worth it sometimes as it is. Yeah, yeah that's what I was yeah. gonna say. Like, um, I went to that at the Crypticon convention. I didn't get a single autograph, but. Yeah, not unless you drain your bank account first. Yeah. I mean, just, I got it. I mean, and just getting there is pricey enough. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I, I got, I definitely got some autographs. You know, it's just, it's not like I've been to a ton of conventions, so I, I just wanted to capitalize on as much as I could. But uh, I think my main drive, more than anything, besides just it, more than anything else, is just getting to shop for things. You just can't find at other places, you know? Like, yeah. what kind of effed up things can you find at some of these booths? You know, kick-ass shirts and, and uh, you know, <clears throat> old back issues of Fangoria or sweet-ass posters or whatever. <clears throat> so that's what I'm into. But, I mean, I get it. I understand why this person's charging um, these prices because they obviously um, spend a lot of money on Perel. <laughs> On hand sanitizer. Yeah. Did you guys notice that in the picture too? I like did. all yeah. the bottles of hand sanitizer behind the the sign. Like <laughs> is is this person like literally rubbing down after every single handshake and interaction with the smelly horror fan? <laughs> I'd assume yes. You know, and you get some of those guys that just like even seem so bothered by the fact that you're paying your hard-earned money to get an autograph by them or have a picture taken, you know? I mean, I'm not going to mention Tom Savini's name or anything, but just some of those horror <laughs> celebrities are kind of dicks about it, too, so... Well, you know, know. you know me taking the other side. Like, uh, maybe it's to help, like, weed out... You know, the, the table can... if If you can just walk up and start talking everybody does walk up and start talking to you and, and if you're there to sign autographs and make money you know to keep the riffraff away from your table yeah yeah or keep those guys that you know would end up just hanging out all freaking day long yeah and a girl you know uh, it's gonna be hard for her anyway yeah well on the other stuff. side of things too they're giving up their weekend to go uh, if we're going to argue both sides, they're giving up their weekend to spend it in Kansas City or, you know. Oh, yeah, they're, cho they're making the choice. Yeah, you know. so it has to be financially feasible for them to be doing it, too. Meaning, well, sure. like, why would they go unless they're going to make money? You know, are are they going to end up, you know, let's say they book the show and then, like, a um, then an acting gig comes along and they have to turn that down to go do this convention that they've already committed to and signed contracts for, you know, now, are they, you know, is that fair to them to take a, to take a loss on money they could have made? 
I don't think any actor stays at a show and turns down work. They always leave the show. Right, Terry? Uh, What? Oh, right, Terry? Heather Langenkamp? Oh, yeah. I was really butthurt about that. (laughs) Well, I know, but you get my point, though. Like... They could no. be making money. They could be making money doing something else besides going to this convention. So why would you take? You mean, I mean, what's the motivation for these people to go? I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, there's a part of me that's like, if I was a celebrity, I would definitely want to go and meet the fans and stuff. But obviously, I would say after maybe like the, the third or fourth convention, I'd be like, I don't want to talk to these people anymore. <laughs> um. <clears throat> So, you know, there has to be there has to be a reason to draw them there, the celebrities there. And, you know, maybe they do get a hit at the door or whatever the case may be, or, you know, free room and board for the weekend. Well, they all get you know, paid but, a fee anyway just to show up. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. They're all fine. It's, I, it's just shitty because these are people who don't need the money as much as the people they're taking it from, and... And they just seem to be getting greedier and greedier, and it's just gonna yeah, it's getting fuck it up for everybody, and and the yeah, fans and the people snowball. need to fucking tell them to fuck off. Yeah, yeah, it is just complete. It is complete. Quit taking out. advantage of us. I mean, exactly. But yeah, exactly. And if I, it's if obvious I were... they're all taking advantage of us. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Always. I mean, that's what a, the convention is. So oh, they sure. can dangle themselves in front of the people and and earn a buck by it. So yeah, basically pimping themselves out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in it, or if best case scenario, they're there to promote a new movie or something. It's still yeah, yeah. yeah so but... yeah, so a lot of times there's there there is another there is another um, reason for them to be going anyway. You're absolutely right. Like if they're um, promoting a film. But there's a way to go about it gracefully, and there's a way to be a dick about it. Mm-hmm. Like, you can go and you can greet all of these fans and, you know, have... you can, I mean, you obviously have to charge prices to cover your overhead on, like, photographs and things like that. But why do you need to charge an arm and a leg? Like, it's just... They're just competing with each other to make themselves seem like they're on the next level compared to someone else and it just snowballs and gets way out of hand and no one can afford to do any of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, do you feel that, um, that part of, part of this, of this, uh, of this issue was caused by the, uh, the whole walking dead scene? Huh? What do you mean? That, you know, these prices just keep getting jacked up and jacked up. Because, oh, because I mean, it's so popular, you mean? Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of people going to these conventions that aren't necessarily horror fans. They're going there for the draw of The Walking uh, Dead. Yeah. Well, I guess to a point, you know. Yeah, it's just a thought I'm throwing out there. I'm not saying I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure that, like, if it... If, that was, in fact, that Alana, whatever her face is. No spoilers, because I haven't watched the most recent episodes of Walking Dead, so I don't know if she's even still on the show. But, 
you know, further down the road, if, you know, she's not on the show anymore, she's not going to be able to charge those prices then. So I'm sure that she's playing up the fact that, you know, it's a hot commodity right now, and she's right in the middle of that, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all I know is Sid Hegg's the man, because he's still charging the same as he always has. Yeah, and I always... he never charges for sitting down or talking to him or taking a picture he's cool yeah, yeah. Mo- and bill mosley's that way too right no no he's a, he's a fucking whore and a half i mean he's he said every convention but he charges for everything we didn't he didn't charge us when we took pictures with him yeah no but i mean his prices are 30 40 bucks oh i guess i didn't I mean, pay like, attention right mr Moneybags. <laughs> No, I didn't the, get uh, one. I didn't get one. That was oh. that particular that particular convention was like, let's see how many um, free autographs and free pictures I can scam. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I didn't pay for a single picture with a celebrity, with the exception of Mink Stoll, but that was like uh, highly important. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> When's the next one? Woo. I know, let's go. Let's go. Fucking Des Moines Comic Con. Yep, in June. Oh, that's coming up way too fast. We're going. I want to go. Definitely, England. Definitely going the Saturday. I know. Cool. I will, I will go just for Robert England and ignore everyone else. <laughs> you, you might only get two if you, unless you get in line early. That's very true. <laughs> and if you don't bring enough money. Yeah, well, yeah. It'll you'll cost you'll be happy just to see him walk by. Oh my god. Yeah, see, I'm not really the kind of person to... Like, I wasn't really big on going up and meeting them. Like, I was just excited to walk around and... Be around just, them? Yeah, just yeah. see them, like, hang out and be people. It's kind of cool. I'm not really huge on going and getting a bunch of stuff, I guess. I'm weird. Until she gets her first one. Yeah, she gets the first taste. Well, I'm just... Like, I remember... tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, I remember when I met Bruce Campbell, and I was just a fucking blubbering idiot. Like, I don't... I That's why you need to do it again, and we can all see it. Oh my yeah, God. I That's cannot what... handle those situations. Well. That's why we have to get you in front of a celebrity. Oh my God, I would be like that in front of Robert England. I'm pretty sure. Well, let's make that happen. Oh no, it's a goal. Oh yep. God, no. So I'll just cower in the corner and giggle and. Uh, uh, you're my biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Well, let's <laughs> Listeners of this podcast, we're starting an Indiegogo of raising money. <laughs> to so Terry can throw up on Robert England. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I'd probably pee my pants, not throw up. Oh. Even better. We'll get yeah. some towels. <laughs> I'll wear depends. Okay. Just in case. <laughs> depends. Anyway, um. So yeah, awesome. And then, as we're recording this, um, speaking of Walking Dead, the season finale just happened. 
Don't yeah, last that. night. Oh, you're not going to believe what happened, Terry. First thing. Uh, you're making me scream, and I don't have a voice. Oh. It's not okay. very nice of you guys. I still haven't seen it either, so yeah, he's not going to say anything. I haven't seen anything since the season, like the mid-season break. I haven't seen any of the season. Oh. That's how behind uh-huh. I am. So, remember when um, that thing happened, Jason? <coughs> oh, yeah. With, uh, remember when the... That one guy? Oh, did my that God. that thing with the... Oh. Yeah. Damn so, show. So, Jason, you're the only one that's seen the whole season. Yeah. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh, it's 100,000 times my favorite season. Um... It is awesome, man. Yeah. First half was awesome. It just I'm excited great. to watch the rest of it. And it's it's a different second half, but it's it's great. It's just the show's kicking ass. Woo. Sweet. Yeah. Cool. Alright, so yeah, that's that about wraps it up for news. Killer news. news. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get into the, to tonight's topic. <coughs> Guilty pleasures. Yeah. Yeah. Guilty pleasures. You feel guilty from deriving pleasure from these movies. That's right. Sounds so dirty. Doesn't it? When Mike says it, it does. So, Dustin, what about a guilty he's pleasure? He's not here, my... Son of a bitch! I know, he's uh... always the go-to. He's a lead-off batter, always. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Terry, what about you? Guilty Terry, pleasure? Terry, Terry. I'm right, dying to well, know what a guilty pleasure is for you. Yeah. I racked my brain, because I Ow. was telling you... Ouch. Yeah, it, it hurt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... I had a really hard time. I know I've listened to your past episodes on guilty pleasures. I know you guys have had this debate and we were talking about it a bit earlier, but you know, I have a hard time saying that I feel guilty about something that I really enjoy. But if I go the route of a movie that most people hate that I enjoy, I guess I can think of at least one or two. They've probably been discussed already, but and actually, the main one that I'm thinking of is one that we sort of discussed a bit on the last episode, so I feel like a lame But I'm going to say Scream 3. Oh, yeah. And you know, I don't even... I feel like I was talking down on it on the last episode, but I just rewatched it yesterday or the day before. Uh-huh. And I liked it a lot more than I remembered liking it. Hmm. Huh. Why? Well, <laughs> explain yourself. Well, um, <laughs> it's definitely the most meta of that series, and I'm a huge fan. For some reason, I'm fascinated with movies that are set during the making of movies. Like that's why one of the reasons why I love New Nightmare so much. Like I just love that whole setting within a movie. Uh huh. And so this does that, and I'm sure it's cheesy and um, all of the duplicate 
like characters are just ridiculous. I don't even oh. But I don't it's just it's corny, yeah, but I don't know. I I'm probably going to get shot down for saying this, but after rewatching the original 3 cuz I still haven't rewatched 4 yet, but uh I kind of like 3 better than 2. Terry. I I know. I'm sorry. But uh, See, do you thing, feel guilty? I do. I do feel guilty about this one. It's the only one that I can think of <laughs> cuz we were just talking about it and I was like, uh, well, but I will say that um what's his name? Scott Foley. I think that's the name of the actor who is the killer. I mean, spoiler alert, but oh. um He's pretty awful toward the end. Like, I, I could stand him for most of the movie, but when he reveals that he's the killer, he is just the worst. But, um, I don't know. I mean, the the <laughs> back and forth between um, Gail Weathers and her movie counterpart was kind of fun, and Dewey is kind of a bigger character, because Sydney doesn't really even come in until later on, and it kind of relies on a lot more of the background characters. Oh really? Yeah, because was the revenge plot still against Sydney, or I mean? Yeah. Okay. So the whole thing—they're filming Stab Three, mm-hmm. and Roman is Scott Foley. He's the killer. He's the director of the Stab Three movie. It turns out that he is Sydney's long lost brother. Oh, that's right. That's right. So that's—it's kind of whatever. It's—I mean. Yeah. You kind of. I don't think it. I've seen three. Really? Yeah. Ever? So. Oh. Mm. Well, I just ruined it for you. No, it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> but I don't. I I enjoy it. I mean, it's kind of quirky, and it's got some cameos. Like it's got um, uh, Lance Henriksen and uh, fucking oh shit. Because yeah, doesn't Lance Henriksen play kind of a. He's, he, he's like the producer, or he's like the studio head guy, right? So he's kind of like yeah. a Roger Corman. He's basically playing Roger Corman, I think. Or right. or like a um, Robert Shea type guy. Yeah, yeah, he's the studio producer or whatever. Um, and then you... I mean, there's just lots of little cameos in there. Uh and I don't know. I mean, there is this cheesy running storyline of Sydney's mother, like, being a ghost that's haunting her, which is a little corny, but I don't know. I, I thought it, it worked. I thought the lady who played Sydney's mom did a pretty good job of being creepy enough. I don't know. I like it. Hmm. Scream 3. Interesting choice. Interesting <laughs> choice. To say you like it better than 2, even. Man. Wow. I don't know. Like, <laughs> So, speaking of guilty pleasures... Uh-huh. There is not a more guilty pleasure than our all-of-a-sudden surprise guest on Attack of the Killer podcast, Justin Beam, everybody's there! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> How do I respond to that? 
<laughs> I'm a guilty pleasure. I'm on par with what, like, Hamburger the Motion Picture, maybe? Something cool yeah. like that. Oh, meatballs, they... meatballs 2? Nobody? Yeah, yeah, totally Meatballs 2, absolutely. Yes, I'll be here's a little. Here's a little alien in the outhouse. Yeah. Yes, Quarter <laughs> Moon, good choice. Oh, I love that movie. Let's just talk about Meatballs 2 all night. Hey, guys. Hey! Man, how have you been? It's been so long since we've had you on the show, sir. Yeah, things have been pretty good. A lot of transition and uh, <laughs> moving and working and whatnot, but it's been good. It's been really good. It was, I don't know, if, can we acknowledge the commentary on this? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, oh, well, yeah, we had fun the other night. Uh, the other day, yeah, getting together and recording the commentary for Demonica, which was a total blast. It was so great Ooh. to see you guys again that day. Mm-hmm. Talk mm-hmm. shop and reminisce about that film. You guys did, I mean, everybody did a great job in the commentary, and I think people are really going to dig that. So everyone make sure to pre-order, when possible, your mm-hmm. copy of Demonica, because it's amazing. P.F. Awesome. goodness. Awesome. What he said. <laughs> Man, I feel bad now because we didn't bring that up in our killer news. That's all right. Saving it. I feel guilty. Oh. (laughs) But it's pleasurable. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Well, it's awesome to have you back on the show, buddy. And um, thanks for jumping on. Um, We'll talk to you later. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's good stuff. No, uh, what about you? A guilty pleasure. I know you were on the last time we had this had this conversation. You were on that episode. Oh, was so. I? Oh no, what did I talk about? Hopefully, I won't duplicate myself. We oh, just don't will, worry so about it. Because we, yeah, exactly. I don't remember, dude. That was like that was still during the Joe Zerl days. So that's how long ago that episode was. So. It was that long ago, really? Yeah. Yeah. Who? Wow, it's, crazy. it's such a good topic. Yeah, Joe who? What happened to that guy? <laughs> um, guilty pleasure. I think that most of my collection is guilty pleasures. That's something I was thinking about when I was, pa- when I was unpacking after getting in my apartment. Because <laughs> you're, you're like, I might have friends over someday. Should I have this out? <laughs> Did we lose them? Oh. I... And yeah. So that was Justin, everybody. Hey! <laughs> All right. <laughs> While we're waiting for, I wonder if he's still talking. I mean, he doesn't realize he's not on. He's back. Oh, okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Now, so you just kind of started talking about um, unpacking. Oh my God! You. What happened? Is it my? <laughs> I bet it's my connection here. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're gonna put this. Awesome lo-fi century link connection to the test. With the, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, it's terrible. It's horrendous. And I live in town. It's not like I'm out in a farm somewhere, like using sticks and a dead raccoon to get reception. <laughs> I, I have wiring in the fucking house. But I'll be sitting watching something streaming, and all of a sudden it looks like I'm playing 8-bit video games or whatever. Anyway, um. I started unpacking my stuff, and I decided, because it was really hard to decide what to get rid of and what to keep, and I, and I just made the decision, I'm like, I'm going to keep all the things that I really love that are weird and probably not going to get my hands on elsewhere, 
And then I realized that almost everything I have is that. And I've been tonight <laughs> even. I, I'm, I'm looking through my shelf. I'm like, okay, let's find a few titles that either I haven't talked about before, which I'm sure I've talked about Lost Empire about a thousand times and other things, Dino Wolf, whatever. And so it was a real challenge. Anyway, so the first one that I grabbed off the shelf was, is the 1997 television adaptation of The Shining, Stephen King's. Oh, wow. Doing here. It's a film that when it, when it first aired, I watched, it, I watched one of the episodes of it, which is the first one, and I don't know if I was busy or what the deal was, but I stopped watching it. All I remember is really disliking the kid and his teeth in it. That really bothered me. Like, like enough that I was okay not watching the rest of it. And I'm a huge Stephen King fan, and The Shining is like, it's one of my absolute all-time favorite books and films. Yeah, for sure. And scores. Insane score. I fell asleep one night, make, made the mistake of falling asleep one night with The Shining score playing in my headset. <laughs> And woke up in absolute terror in the middle of the night with drums and people screaming and ah, and it was so crazy. Anyway, so The Shining, and uh, I don't know if you guys are have have you guys any of you guys seen this, the adaptation for TV? Um, forever. It has the guy from Wings in it, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Stephen. Way back Weber, in the who day. I liked a lot. Yeah, Stephen Weber is it's great. It's directed by Mick Garris. It's written by Stephen King, so he did the teleplay for it, which is nice. And he was really hands-on the entire time. So it was, it was for him a real labor of love. It was, it, and it wasn't, there's a great commentary on it. Because it's long. I mean, it's long. And 273 minutes. Mm. But it has Stephen King commentary with Mick Garris. And it's oh, and Stephen Weber in there. It's so fantastic. And you get so much background on so many things. And King does address the whole Kubrick thing. Like, you know, the elephant in the room. And yeah. one of the great, what great things about it is that he wasn't trying to one-up. He wasn't trying to do better than. He just wanted to do something that was truer to his source material. Okay. So he did that with this. And they had the running time to really run with that because it's a long book. And that's one of the things. The Kubrick's film is kind of long, too. You never feel like it is. But it certainly doesn't have 273 minutes to play. And yeah. this one does. And Weber is great. Rebecca De Mornay is great. Um, the the kid is okay. Has, I, don't, I don't care for his teeth, as I said, but but and it has some really. The they actually shot it at the at the the Overlook Hotel in in Estes Park, and so it's legit the real deal. So you're actually inside the place, shooting in the real rooms, which is nice. The boiler room plays a much bigger role in this, as it should. The topiaries that move, all of that, it's all present here. And there's some great moments between De Mornay and Weber that, that blow me away, moments that, never, that we never got a chance to see in Kubrick's version because there, wasn't ever, there was no tenderness at all between those two from the start. And there's this one moment, it's about halfway through the film, where Steven Weber is or Jack is starting to turn a little bit. He's, you know, it's, 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 it's happening. And uh, Rebecca De Mornay and he have this scene where they're sitting and he's in his own world. She's trying to break through to him. She walks out in like negligee and she's trying to get romantic with him, like trying to snap him back into reality with remember what we had kind of a thing. And the exchange that they have is so real. And it, the scene is long. It's probably a good 10 minutes scene. It's so good, so good. One of the best things that I've ever seen, certainly for a television film, 
and he, she brings him back into the real world of their relationship and their life together in that scene. And, and he ends up turning around a little bit by the end and they have his kiss, but it, it's like this build that is so real and fantastic. And that's the last time you really see him in his right mind is that is in that moment in that scene. But anyway, I'll not go on too long about it, but I, I do highly recommend you can usually get it for pretty cheap. Certainly probably a lot of used places have it. I mean, I got it for a song. There's a two disc set out of it. And I think I probably paid nine bucks for it or something. But if you're a King fan, if you're a, a Mick Garris fan, it's essential. Um, I like it better than the stand from him. It's Stephen King. Uh, I also enjoy what he did when he, he wrote Storm of the Century, another film that he, he actually wrote that yeah. for the small screen. And I think that that's a great, a great film as well. And the reason I would consider The Shining to be a guilty pleasure is because it's one that people have really downplayed since it came out. And it's impossible to believe that it was already almost 20 years ago that it did come out. Whoa, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, but it's absolutely worth checking, checking into. So highly recommended The Shining, 1997. Yeah, I think like, it's so easy to dismiss it just because, it, you know, because of the Kubrick film and the fact that the remake was like made for TV. But... Because it always felt like any of them, like It or whatever, just kind of always, just never, they were, you know, lower budgets and, and you know, a lot of times the budget, you know, would be pretty obvious and, and uh, you know, there's only so much you could do on network television. Um, but they have the, but the great thing about them that television offers them is time. Yeah. And that's yeah. the first and that's something I think that I probably mentioned on here before is that I, I have watched side one of my it disc. I can't tell you how many more times that I have side two. I, I usually don't even finish the film. The first like two hours of that or however long that is, is so great with just the kids. You're getting to know the kids and then you're seeing all that their lives are about. And the great thing about these films, the great thing about really long movies is that they spend time with the subtle nuances that a condensed hour and a half running time doesn't offer you. And so you're seeing the kids building the little dam in the stream. And you're not just seeing it in just a flash that just builds up to a conversation between him and the bullies. You're seeing him like working on it. There's a little montage with it. You're seeing time with the, I mean, so this is the same thing. It benefits in the same way from that. Yeah, there's, a, there, there's limits with the gore and things like that, but the like the woman in the in the bathtub is even more grotesque in this than she is in the original. Although more? she's not obviously not fully nude, but <laughs> oh. yeah, she's like an outright creature in this. She looks That's awesome. Fucking nightmares and, as a kid. And oh oh yeah, and, but and, and this she's equally as terrifying in this one. And the build up to her, the way that they that they bring her in, is I think even handled in a more terrifying way than in the original. Um, and Steven Weber is at his absolute best and I'm a big fan of his anyway but I, I've never seen him better than he is in this film he's absolutely awesome so good Has anybody? did anybody ever see that or even I don't even know if it's still on what was it called Under the Dome wasn't that that Stephen King show that was a little more recent yeah I didn't see it though I just wonder if it's any good because I'm just, just sitting here thinking as you're talking like um Part of the problem with the again, part of the problem with those those miniseries is uh, those 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 made for TV movies back in the day is just 
budget wise and 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 a con and you know um, restriction on content and stuff like that. But we're in a day and age now that the production value of those shows um, exceeds sometimes even what you see on a big screen nowadays. And content wise is out the out the window. That shit don't matter anymore. You know, do <clears throat> do do that shining movie now do it the same amount of episodes and put it on AMC oh my god right yeah yeah so I think it now's, could be done. It... now's the time for Stephen King to go back to all those books and 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 do them because now I think like he can really do them proper because you can have the length as well as the production value and the content so, yeah, what would be great from him would be a long, not not a short run, but to have a, a series like an American Horror Story kind of a thing that he's behind from front to back. Yeah. That would just be so great. I, but I, I agree. But historically, that's the problem when you're adapting really long stuff like that. You just don't have time for it on the big screen. Yeah. And and so that's one thing. I mean, he's had so many movies made of his work. But it's, I don't know if there's anyone else, any other writer, who's had so much adapted for the big screen and probably just as much for the small screen. Yeah, yeah. Nobody I can think of. Yeah. With varying degrees of results, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. Know. But he's had some, like another one, Night Flyer. That's one that was made for HBO, and it's a, that's an hour and a half. But that was a short story anyway. I, I I love the Night Flyer. It has such great atmosphere, and Miguel Ferrer in it, he's great. And the whole concept of a vampire using an airplane to sort of land in these little backwater towns and killing people where no one's going to know any different, I think it's a brilliant idea, and I think it was pulled off really well. It's just, in Storm of the Century, like I said, that's another real long one. Excellent. That's a, That's an essential for me during a huge storm. Like, I love getting snowed in. And that's what I'm going to reach for, is that and the shiny. Awesome. Cool. You kind of make me want to check it out now. Yeah. Do it. I did until you mentioned the bathtub scene. Ah. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> There's no DWTs, at least. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll have different kind of nightmares, then. It'll probably be okay. <laughs> It's Mick Garris' wife in the bathtub in this one. But anyway, she looks awesome. Creepy. Scary. Good stuff. So, Jason, what about you? Guilty pleasure from you, sir. Well, uh, well, here's the thing. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I wrote down a few, you know, um, I love Shocker. That's on a lot of people's shitty lists. Anybody like that? No? Okay. I, I liked it at the time, but it's been forever since I've seen it. I've actually wanted to revisit that one and see if it holds up today. I mean, you get some of those films when you were a kid that uh, that don't quite hold up, or maybe those ones that... When you do go back and watch it, you realize, okay, yeah, maybe this wasn't that good, but you still love it just for the pure nostalgia reason. Yeah, and I think I did catch it a little while ago. Oh, yeah? And it didn't hold up. 
<laughs> at all, but I still loved it. I was going to say, you still loved it though, right? <laughs> yeah, because I did then. Because that's a thing too, Terry, you could think about when we're, we're with this topic is like, what about those movies from when you were a kid that you, um, that you loved that definitely don't hold up today, but you still, you realize it's like, okay, yeah, this doesn't hold up, but I don't care. This is still awesome because when I was a kid, I was an awesome kid. <laughs> sure. I, I don't You guys probably watched more horror films when you were kids than I did. I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of that. What? I mean, I watched some, but mostly cheesy sci-fi stuff. Which is still awesome to me. So, you know, like Puppet Master is awful, but I still love those, I guess. At least the See? first couple. Well, have you ever seen Shocker? I have not seen Shocker. <laughs> what is it about Shocker that uh, you do love, Jason? Well, I mean... I loved uh, Mitch Pileggi's performance. I thought he was... It seemed like he had a really fun time being badass. Yeah. Um, it's a... I really liked Peter Berg, who, you know, went on to be a good director. And, and I think me and my friend, Ben Clayton, we all... We both uh, had the hots for the girl really bad. Because <laughs> she, she was a redhead, I think, so we were like, whoa. <laughs> she was really cool. Um, but then I also I also really liked... Uh, I, I lo- I'm sorry, Mike and Justin, but I really loved Megadeth's cover of No More Mr. Nice Guy <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and that song that soundtrack kicks... soundtrack is rocking. Yeah, so it's, it... it's kind of like a heavy metal movie. Yeah, know? yeah, it totally is. So I like that a lot about it. And then also, like, I know Mike's a big comic book guy and and draws his own comic books. I don't know if, if I'm supposed to tell people that, but <laughs> Mike has his own universe of comic books. I do. But uh, I can't remember. I feel like at the time, like, before that movie came out, I, like, for some reason, I can't remember why... But I like came up with the with a superhero or a villain, and it was about this guy who could transform into electricity and travel through electricity. Maybe he was like a guitar player that you know stuck his guitar in his amp and it blew up or something, you know. And then he got superpowers. I can't remember. But anyway, then this movie came out, and I'm like, they stole the idea, but it's still really awesome. Awesome. Uh, was he bald? No, of course not. He was a okay. he's a rocker. So it was somewhere between, um, shocker and trick or treat. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was exactly somewhere in between those. <laughs> and I, I just want to note it for the record that I'm okay with Megadeth's cover of No More Mister Nice Guy. It was a good cover. Um, you know, as long as as long as it's somebody not you know not like Guns N' Roses covering Alice Cooper, it's okay. Um, and then, yeah, Wes Craven's name was all over it, and it had a, a you know, it, which is a great 90s movie for me, I don't know, 
So 89, I guess it came out, so. Yeah, I just never understood why Horace Pinker didn't become a horror icon. And I, it always felt like that is what they were aiming for. Yeah, for then, sure. Like they were trying to, you know, hey, Wes Craven, you're good at creating horror icons. Give us another one. Yeah. And he had a look, you know, he had a good look. Oh, yeah. You know, the orange that, jumpsuit. That orange jumpsuit. Yeah, why, why aren't there action figures? Yeah. Yeah, especially in this day and age. Like, everybody everybody got has an action figure. They haven't made a worse Pinkard action figure. Come on, Movie Maniacs by Todd McFarlane. Do it. Do it. I don't think they do the Movie Maniacs anymore. No. <laughs> Come on, NECA. Yeah. Come with wheel... Uh, uh, wheelchair electric chair accessory but yeah i don't think it necessarily holds up as well as it did and and i i see it on a lot of people's lists i don't get it because i thought i think it's awesome but it's a little cheesy it it was a weird time for Wes craven i think when that came out like he was i think it's the coolest thing from this era of Wes craven yeah this was like debbie friend and Serpent in the Rainbow and People Under the Stairs and movies I don't really care about. I kind of like Serpent and Rainbow. I like the, a little bit. Yeah. I like the whole voodoo thing. But I think Shocker really stood out as something different. And it seemed as though that there, it felt to me at the time, he got lots of coverage. Like this movie was all over the horror mags. Yeah. And it felt to me like they were building an iconic character, that they were trying to create another Freddy Krueger with this. It really did. And I have no idea why it didn't. Yeah. No idea. It was at least successful of his films at this time, but I don't, I don't know why. I'm not sure. Outside of Deadly Friend, I mean, it, you know, it was was probably the poorest performing thing during this era. But I think it's the coolest, and I think that it has the greatest legacy because people aren't really talking about people under the stairs or Deadly Friend anymore. Yeah. But people do talk about Shocker, especially Metal Kids. I was prepping an article on heavy metal movies, and it was going to be like Leatherface, Chainsaw 3, and all this other stuff. And this was definitely going to be in there. This was sort of the epitome of that. Because this is the soundtrack that was like a super group mega thing, right? I think so. Didn't, I never did, had it. Let me look it up and see. Google, Google, Google. <laughs> I'll sell them that, that theme song. That's the onomatopoeia for Googling. It's yeah. just Google, Google, Google. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like this had Paul Stanley, Bruce Kulick, um, Desmond Child, Vivian Campbell, all these guys doing Tommy Lee on drums. There, there was like a super group that was made for a few of the tracks on this thing. Huh. And. There was song. There's an Iggy Pop tune, and then the Megadeth cover, and then Dangerous Toys. Ooh, but yeah, like the song Shocker, the theme was a supergroup thing, and awesome. I remember that being awesome. Mm-hmm. We just awesome at the same time. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Shocker. Shocker. Yeah, I love it. Give me a on Blu-ray, a good one. Man, I'd just be happy for it to be on Netflix. I need to see this movie again. I need you to see borrow it. Terry's got it. Oh, oh do okay. I have it? You see, I don't even. I don't even know. Oh my god! 
There are too many movies. <clears throat> I would have, if I was you, I would have started at the A's and just watched everyone. And, oh my god. You know, like two a night. See you in like 200 years. Oh, oh, it's not my oh. collection, it's Jason's. <laughs> yeah. He's talking down to <clears throat> Jason. I heard that. <laughs> okay, my turn, my turn, my turn, my turn. Whose turn is it? My turn. It's Mike's turn. Oh, oh Mike. Yeah, okay, Mike's this turn. is one I'm pretty sure. Okay, I, uh, I didn't make a list, I just grabbed a pile. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm, I had a nickel every time I said that. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be making money in a really weird way. Um. <laughs> I picked one that I'm a hundred percent sure I didn't talk about in the last episode, and I rewatched it recently. It was some background noise for myself while I was cleaning the house, and it's 1988's Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Nice. I love this movie. I've forgotten how much I love this movie until I, I popped it back in. I've always been an Elvira fan. She's probably the most famous in history of horror movie hosts. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, you could say Va Vampire was the first, whatever, but she never did like beer commercials in the 80s. So Elvira. Well, um, she <laughs> she could. She was alive in the eighties. She could. Not, uh... Anyway, um, so yeah, I think the movie's really funny. I think um, it's just uh, cheesy enough that it it uh, pays a good homage to the to the same style of movies that she would show on her show. Um, you know, so so. I was always kind of fascinated by some of the effects works in it. You know, there's the little, there's the little casserole monster that pops out and attacks. I just thought that creature design was pretty cool, and uh, you know when the uncle, um, you know, starts getting, starts getting all that power right at the end, and he and he starts kind of morphing into a little bit more demon-looking facial features and stuff. I thought that, you know, effects were all cool and everything. I just, it's funny. It's fun. Um, it's it's cool to see Elvira in a feature film. I think it had a theatrical run, if I remember right. Um, but uh, yeah, just a really, just a, just I don't know. It's just really funny and, and fun. And I I like um, its whole message on uh, you know you know she ends up in this little podunk town. It's really repressed and everything, and kind of. Showing them the ways of not being quite so repressed, but then there's this whole other subplot of, of uh, her aunt died, and her aunt was this witch that kept her uncle, this evil wizard, from taking over the world and stuff, and 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 she was in possession of this book that was left in the will, and if the uncle got the book, he'd be able to take over and get all his power, and it's awesome. So you guys have seen. You guys have seen Elvira, huh? Nope. I have. Nice. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of fun. Love it. Mm-hmm. Little poodle that turns into a pit bull and then turns into a little mouse and with the mohawk. 
<laughs> yeah. I rem for some reason, I remember what I remember most is um, the scene in the bowling alley. <laughs> I just thought that whole exchange was really funny. She dumps the beer in that one guy's lap. Yeah. And then he tries to lick her face or whatever. Yeah. And she pulls that knife and stabs him in the gut, but it's just a retractable knife. Uh-huh. Yeah. <clears throat> no, my favorite part, because, again, this town's repressed, and it's got um, Edie McClure in it, who, for you old people remembering the TV show um, The Hogan Family, she was the obnoxious neighbor in that show. But she's... She plays an obnoxious neighbor in a lot of movies and television. Um, so if you saw her or heard her voice, even, you'd know who she was. Um, she's coming out of, I think, church or something. And, and Elvira, Elvira's love interest is kind of this dumb jock-looking guy that runs the local movie theater that's on, on the verge of bankruptcy because all he's allowed to show is, like, G-rated, like, uh, National Geographic films or whatever. <sighs> And so they're talking, and he's putting up he's putting up the titles of the next movie oh. <laughs> on the marquee, and it's supposed to be like uh, next showing for for Duck Calls or something, uh -huh. Duck Calls the movie or something like that. And and she she slips and is about falls off the ladder, and she's got the she's got the uh, uh, the letter F in her hand, and it lands right in front of the. Um, Oh, is the movie was called Let's Let's Make Duck Calls or something like that. I don't remember. But basically it ended up when she got the the letter in front, it's it just said let's fuck or something like that and eating yeah. McClure like passed out in the street. It's comedy gold. It's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> yeah. It's cheesy as hell, and it even is cheesier now, like, what, 20, 30 years later. But uh, I still love that movie. It's awesome. So, yeah. She's timeless. Yeah, apparently, because she's still doing it. Yeah. And and I was looking... Um, when I wanted... When I, cause I was, since I was going to talk about Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, I looked... I looked it up. She's in her 60s. And she's still oh, putting yeah. on she's that black Cassandra. wig. Yeah, Cassandra Peterson. Cassandra. <laughs> I, I interviewed her a few years ago, and I was just like, wow. Oh, that's still awesome. looks amazing. I bet she does. She still looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful woman. Beautiful woman. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Awesome. Well, have you ever you ever seen any of those like Shop Factory um, DVDs, the movie Macabs? Yeah, my yeah my the guy who who Jim who I used to hire out to shoot my stuff around Los Angeles did the did the intro for it, mm -hmm. and he produces all of her stuff now. Like she does this thing at Hollywood, like at this Horror Nights thing at Universal, and he sh shoots all that for her and. And the, I think that intro to that show is the best she's ever had. I don't think she's ever had a cooler intro to any of her shows. Have you seen it? Well, like, 
like the ones that they've been releasing, um, aren't they the uh, like the original original shows? No. No. No, these are the, it's all new stuff. I mean, if Shop Factory is doing something now that I don't know about, maybe I don't know. I mean, I guess I've been out of the loop a little bit, but the releases that she's had coming out the past few years are from her syndicated show, also called Movie Macabre. Oh, and I've seen some, yeah, I've seen some of that like um, yeah on cable. Uh, I, I somehow was lucky enough to catch a couple episodes of that when when on her new syndicated show. Sure, yeah. But I thought these DVD, well, at least um, on the um, on the Shout Shout TV, there's their screen, their streaming channel. They have a mm-hmm. whole bunch of episodes of movie movie macabre, and I swear it's got to be the original because like the production value just looks a lot more eighties and lower budget than that than that newer stuff, and it doesn't have okay. the cool the cool rockabilly intro. That's the one you're talking right. about, right? It's got that rockabilly intro. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah. That is that is awesome. You're right, and and I and I love the fact that you know she's doing those. Does she still do that? The the new, the new show? No, because it it was in syndication, but it really didn't do very well. Syndication is a tough Bummer. bag, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and they and they put so much into it, which is the shame because it was. It was really, it was well done, and she inserted herself into the show more, which she never used to do. She used to just do intros and outros, yeah. and for this one, she started doing a little pop-up head thing once in a while, which, you know, it's always, the, ultimately with Elvira, what we have to admit, outside of her couple of films that she made, she's kind of, she's got a couple jokes, and yeah. she kind of just uses them over and over again, and they're kind of all about her boobs, which is okay. Oh yeah. But she does these little <laughs> pop-up things, and and, and I, I appreciate hosts who do that. That's what I love about Zambu out of out of Vegas, Nevada. You know, that he he in sort of integrates himself into the movies, where he'll shoot sequences that are meant to ape whatever's happening on screen, and so it'll be showing guys walking through a room, and it'll cut to him in the corner, like I don't know, whatever being silly and goofy and I always wish that Elvira would do that and now she has a show had where she was doing that and I always really appreciated that approach yeah I think you could probably maybe um, give some credit to Mystery Science Theater for horror movie hosts getting more aggressive by interjecting themselves into the films Um, but Hmm. with that said with that I mean that's my theory anyway but with that said, Zachary used to do that all the time, way back in the back in the fifties. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you should definitely check out um, if you get a Roku, uh, <laughs> get that Shout TV because yeah, it's a, there's a bunch of her episodes and it, it's it's literally because you could you could see where the uh, you could see where they fade out for commercials and. And yeah, this is like the uh, the film quality's got a softer look to it, so it's definitely definitely out of the '80s. So it's it's all the original shows, which is great. Cool. Yeah. Who who'd have thought you'd ever ever see those? You know. I love that they're doing that. It's such a smart thing. When you have a catalog as rich as theirs, mm-hmm. you need to be doing more than trying to sell physical media with it. And they had to figure out how to monetize that. And I think they realized. That doing this really, that their relationship with Netflix was limited, 
Yeah. I mean, because you know you don't, you're only making so much, you only license so many titles, but here you're sitting on, you know, an, an eternity's worth of material, at, in television alone from their catalogs. Oh yeah. And I, I just hope it's, I, I really hope it's doing well for them. I'm gonna get that box thing, but, um, so I'm excited to check it out. Yeah, you're right. I hope it is doing well for them too because I love it. Um, you know, I mean, it would I would love to see more content a little more uh some new content a little more often but uh you know mm-hmm. where else can you go for mo- episodes of Mumi Macabre or um almost the entire Warner Horsog uh filmography or yeah, or epi- episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 um yeah definitely not on Netflix anymore they pulled all those and they started the channel out so mm-hmm. is yeah I love it but yeah Cool. I would. I do. <laughs> Roku. <Yeah. laughs> Bizarre TV. So, um, <laughs> Terry, what about you? You mentioned that there was two titles that you thought of when you... Um, Did I? I think you're making that up. No, you clearly said a no, couple. No, I didn't. I don't even remember. You made it try to sound like you had more. <sighs> Let's go to the tapes. <laughs> well, I was, tr- I mean, I was trying to think of. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that out later. I'm sorry. I mean, there are several that I haven't seen in a long time, so it's kind of hard to tell if they still hold up in my mind. But I guess one might be, um, I know what you did last summer kind of from that 90s era. I, I still, I, I used like to love those so movies. Much. Yeah. What? But, uh, what? I like, I like them. As, I like both of them. What's wrong I don't with you really, people? I don't remember the second one, but the first one for sure I remember. Oh, the second Jennifer one got them on an island and it's raining the whole time. Oh, okay. I remember now. Jack yeah. Black is Jack there. Black has a rest Jack Black. I like him. He's so good. I love those movies. They're fun. <laughs> They're from the same era as Scream, and maybe, maybe for me it might be nostalgia because you know, <laughs> I was young and impressionable at that time. But I don't. You I don't know. I like to... these assholes. Let them laugh at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just. I, I you should feel guilty. This really makes sense now why you said it. Harsh. No, I'd really like to revisit them, though. It's been years since I've seen them, but I've been revisiting. I I have them on Blu-ray. You have them on Blu-ray? They released them on Blu-ray? That's my question, too. Have you ever seen... There was like a third one, which I've not seen, but I kept seeing it at the video store. Have you seen that one? No. Like it's one that doesn't have Jennifer. Me too Lucky. is surprised. I can't remember what it's called. I am called. surprised. Surprised it looks they got so to a three. Bad. Look that up. Um, yeah, it's called Yet I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> really? No. Really? Again. Again. No, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> it's, well, how would I know that shit? <clears throat> um Ah shoot. I'll always know what you did last summer. Oh, that's called. right. That is the name of it. That's because yeah. that's so much better than what I came up with. Yeah, I, I've never seen it, 
I should, I know it used to be at Family Video. Maybe I'll go and brave it, but I don't right. really want to. <laughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't even have Jennifer Love huge tits in it. It doesn't, no. It doesn't. So what's the point? Well, you know, some people <laughs> watch movies for other reasons than boobs, Mike. Really? And well, those people are called Mormons. <laughs> I don't know. Mormons yeah. like boobs. Oh, well then those people are called Nazis. Everyone likes boobs, Whoa. Mike. Everyone. Don't you love how I went from Mormons to Nazis? Oh, wow. Yeah. Jeez, Mike. Way to rain on the parade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't... I don't know. I was trying to think. I guess... I think that you guys talked about... I think Dustin brought up uh, Cursed on one of those past episodes. That's one for me, for sure. I yeah. love that movie. I need to break down and finally just watch it, because... You've never seen I, it? i never seen it, because I heard nothing but bad things, so... Yeah. Until you guys came along. I enjoy it. You Kia Kuckians. Yeah, maybe it's a Kia Kuck thing. It's it's pretty cheesy, but I really like Christina Ricci, and I like Jesse Eisenberg a whole lot, too, and that was one of his first movies. Yeah, that's right. He's kind of a big guy now. Big guy on campus, or something. <laughs> or something. <laughs> or something. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I don't know. Ghost Ship, that's pretty bad, but I like that movie. I like I the opening very, scene. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was just going <laughs> to say. The opening scene, yeah. That's fucking it, awesome. They're just so, well, it was so creative with all of the death scenes. Not even just the first one. Like, there's some pretty brutal scenes in that movie, from what I recall. Oh, yeah. Whatever happened to that production company, Dark Castle? Yeah. They were doing um, all those uh, William Castle remakes. House of Haunted Hill and Ghost Ship and not that Ghost Ship was a really I think they moved on to I yeah. think they moved on to regular original stuff. Well the last one last one I ever Who saw did the their woman name, in black. But was that them? Was it? With Hammer they did that? Yeah, I thought Hammer did the woman in oh. black. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but they could have teamed up on it, I think. Maybe. Totally I don't know. I guess I don't I don't know no, enough history about Dark movie. Castle. It was Hammer. But the last one I remember seeing Dark Castle's name attached to was um, Gothica. Isn't that the name of it? The Halle Berry movie? Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. They've oh. done, like, they did Orphan. Oh. Which was a pretty big one. That uh, wasn't that long ago. Okay. Then a lot of these, I'm not sure. I don't really recognize the factory. I think that has John Cusack in it. Yeah. Um. Yep. I wish they would have just kept going with William Castle movies because I would love to have seen what they'd done with the Tingler. <laughs> well, it looks like they kind of transitioned to mostly just action sort of movies like Ninja Assassin. Mm-hmm, oh, they yeah. did Splice. Splice was good. Oh, okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> just, oh, oh. 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 Ah, you guys so can excited. go all you sick. <laughs> oh. oh man, we love you. 
I'd hate to see how you treated me if you hated me. Oh, yeah, you would. <laughs> you know what movie I love? What? The Beastmaster. Dude, honestly, I've never seen The Beastmaster. Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. And you know me, I'm a huge Don Cassarelli fan. I don't think I've ever seen it either. That's Cassarelli? That's that old? That's 1982. Yes. Yeah, he did that. Yeah, it's Don Cascarelli. Yeah, man, I love that movie. I mean, except the hugger, winged hugger people that gave me nightmares when I was young. But <laughs> Winged hugger people? Oh, Terry will frighten the shit out of you. Uh, it's awesome. Just, just some monstrous beast that... That had like curtain arms, like these <laughs> wings that went all the way to the ground, and they would just. I work with a lady whose arms are like that. Yeah, and oh. so be careful because if she hugs you and wraps you around inside of this, and then you shake for a minute, and then uh, bones fall out, and that's it. So uh, it's fucking no. awful. It's scary. I'm not a fan of anything that makes me not like hugs. Right, so that's why it's a oh. scary movie. Oh, it's right up there with the children for you, isn't it, Jason? Yeah. No, but it. I remember loving the shit out of the movie. I want to watch it again. I want to watch it for the first time. I've ne- ever since like I realized it was a Don Cassarelli movie like ten years ago. I've never been able to find it. Mark Singer kicking ass. Yeah, Mark Singer with his shirt off. What more could you ask for? Well, plenty of things, but I don't know why you'd pick that. <laughs> Let's be honest, a lot. <laughs> he was on V. Right, I know. Are you telling them? Okay. Dude, I can't believe... Oh, man. We have to watch this. I know. No. Well, find us a copy and we'll watch it. I will. Together. <laughs> that sounds like... Fine. Dang it, oh, I, I thought of a, of a newer guilty pleasure. Oh, let's have it. That I bet none of you have probably seen. Um, you guys know that I love the original Fright Night, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. And this isn't the... Two, I know what you're going to say. Not, yeah, it's not the Colin Farrell remake, even though David Tennant is awesome in that one. I will give him kudos in that. But um, Fright Night 2... Like the one that's actually titled Fright Night 2. I actually kind of enjoyed that one. I'm not going to lie. Mm. Is you, can't, it... you can't judge me because you haven't seen it. I'm not saying a damn thing. <laughs> no, I, I... I mean, it takes place in Romania and Jerry Dandridge is a woman. Um, played by Jamie Murray. She, I don't know. She's not huge. She was... I remember her from Dexter. She was on one of the seasons of Dexter, but... And her name is still Jerry Dandridge? Her name's Jamie Murray. Oh, they could have still just called her Jerry. Well, that's the... uh, Mike, that's the actress's name. What? What are you... In the movie, she is Jerry Dandridge. That's what I was asking. That's what I said. 
What is happening? Who's on first? What's going on? What is going on? <laughs> this is directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. Thank you. I have a boot <laughs> <laughs> of it. I'm out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I heard I have a boob leg of it. That's what I, I heard. Boob leg? Yeah. No, it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, I think that it's more true to the original Fright Night than the uh, Colin Farrell remake. Um, and, I mean, there are some definite cheesy moments that are straight out of the first one like they copy some lines straight on and they come off a little bit harsh but I don't know I thought it was pretty brutal and pretty imaginative because Jerry Dandridge is like this female uh, professor in Romania and all of these kids are on a class trip there and that's where shit goes down I thought it was good hmm Cool. Hmm. Yeah. I'd have to watch it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> is it is it better than the original? Is it better than the original? No. Yeah. Nothing is better than the original. <laughs> That's the right answer. I was gonna say it was a trick question. Yeah. No way. Good good you have another guilty pleasure there um jason oh yeah i had like i about said I, justin until i looked at my computer and yeah. I saw he was right i mean <laughs> there's one that i just i don't know i can't really talk about it because i haven't seen it in a long time but everybody hates this movie <laughs> um but i remember loving the shit out of it dr giggles Oh yeah, I never finished it. Wow, Doctor Giggles. Yeah, I dude, when he it. killed the guy with the giant band aid, I was out. What? I don't remember that. Damn it. Yes, yeah, so he smothered some guy with a giant band aid across his face or something like that. Yeah, maybe he deserved it. Oh, he he deserved it, but it was a giant band aid. Yeah. So. Oh, you've never seen a movie where somebody kills somebody weirdly? Whatever. The only band-aids that are scary are, like, gross scabby ones that you find in the men's bat. I don't know where I was going with that. But <laughs> it was just so ridiculous at the time. I'd probably love it now. I need to rewatch. Uh-huh. it. Putting that on the wish list, too. All right. Yeah, I do. I do want to revisit it just because, like, my love for cheese is... Uh, Way more than it was back then, so I'd probably think it's genius now. Hmm. But I haven't seen it in a while, so Larry I Drake, can't really talk Bubba. about it. Yeah, yeah, Larry Jake. That was was that around the time he was doing LA Law? He was kind of a hot commodity at the time. Ninety-two. Sounds about right. If I, if I know my L.A. law history. I see that it has Holly Marie Combs from Charmed. Oh, I like her. <laughs> she must have been a kid in it, though. I was going to yes, say, yeah. she would have had to have been pretty young. But a real one that I know that Justin would argue with me about is I remember really liking American Werewolf in Paris. 
I never saw what? it. What? Are you shitting me? I thought Justin said he hated it once. Oh, never uh, saw it. Mike, what? What's wrong with that it? Movie's horrible. No, it has. It's it's a little more comedic, but it has more plot than the original. Uh, uh, let's watch that one too uh, just to make sure you know like <laughs> the original American Werewolf in London's crowning achievement is the special effects that it did and how do they pay homage to that in this crappy remake let's just CGI all the freaking werewolves what is um, what a homage who said they were paying homage it's, it's a law. You have to homage. Oh. So you make these rules. You can't ignore the original movie with your sequel. Why? Why? You can't. <laughs> you can't when your sequel is to American Werewolf in London. Why? I don't know. Seriously, though, it's like, first of all... <laughs> first of all, it's, like it's a... bossy. It's yeah. a... I yeah. am not. If, if it was that. an American Werewolf in London to... That would be one thing. Tom Eric Scott's They're cool. in a whole other city. Paris has more computers. I don't know. Me, for, I don't know. For me, more than anything, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't remember liking it, but at the same time, I don't remember the movie, so whatever. Yeah, I don't um, think I've seen it. I'm probably way off in my opinions of films nowadays. But, well, you sure react to it. But, Jesus Christ. I will say, I will say <laughs> it's, on? it's one of those movies that's just like, why do a sequel? You know, <laughs> are we going There's, there? We can. Want to get me started? Because then we're talking about every movie. Why are you picking this movie to be all butthurt about? <laughs> what do you mean every? Oh, there's uh-huh. a lot of movies that there's a lot of movies that cannot be told in just one film. The stories must go on. We must we must continue the adventures of Jason Voorhees, even in space. <laughs> now that movie, I don't know why is on everybody's list. Jason X. As a dislike it. list, yeah, or, or guilty pleasure. Oh, but I'm like, it's but it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I did I had a hard time with Uber Jason the first time, but but now. Yeah. Well, and for me, it's one of those things like, unlike um, Jason Takes Manhattan, where he's only in Manhattan for the last 10, 10 15 minutes, yeah. I was okay with Uber Jason only being within the last 10, right. 15 minutes right. of the movie. Right. That helped. <laughs> yeah, so that, that definitely helped with uh, accepting Uber Jason. And the fact that it was the future and like... Yeah. By this point, they've just done everything with the characters, so if there was going to be another one, it didn't freaking matter. It wasn't going to be Uber Jason, and and you know, and it, that's kind of how I feel about the whole franchise nowadays anyway. Like, when people are, are throwing hissy fits about, like, the when they were talking about doing uh, Friday 13th as a found footage film, I'm just like, I don't give a shit. They've put the guy in space, they've taken him to Manhattan, they've put him up against Carrie... They've, you know, they've, they've, um, they've turned him into a, like a little worm that people would, um, eat and get possessed by. So why the hell not? You know, let's just, just, just go all balls out with Jason. It it doesn't matter. There'll be another one and like, it'll do, it'll be something else crazy and weird. 
As long as I get Jason, that's all I care about. Oh, I'm right here, buddy. Uh, Some uh, say love <laughs> is a river. You don't sing enough, my friend. Right. <laughs> oh, that's what this God. show has been missing. Yeah, we don't break into song nearly as much. What the fuck happened to this show? Yeah. Where is everybody? Right. <laughs> Dustin's in Florida. Doing what? Spring break. Spring break. What does that mean to an adult, though? <laughs> Thank you. He works. He works at a school. I know. Yeah. Always down there with kids. No. No. <laughs> What's he, he doing? Him. Him and Nalani went down to see a friend. Yeah, we have a friend down oh, there. Oh, it's a the lover's Florida. trip. It's a road <laughs> trip. Okay. Mushy mush. Blah blah blah. What? Right. What better place to go share your love for each other than there with packed beaches full of booze raging teens. Right? God, it's a great idea. <laughs> Who else? John, where's John? Work. He's, yeah, he got a new job that's hours are kind of crappy. Oh, yeah, no. he can usually only record on weekends now, unfortunately. Well, that, that works out for a show recorded during the week. Right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Good we job, do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's so we're, we're taking applications, or should we say <laughs> Yeah. <that? laughs> this is the skeleton crew tonight? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Which you're sounding, um, which we talked about at the top of the show, that it was like, Two and a half podcasters because Terry's sick. But I gotta say, you're, I think you're sounding better. Me? Yeah. 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 I think I, I coughed out enough crud. No, or... I think uh, the show is your cure. I think. Uh, no. That might be it. Attack of the Maybe. Killer podcast is the cure for what ails you. I think it's Mike's soothing voice. Yeah. Also possible. Mm, no. The velvet, no. The velvet <laughs> caress. No, Terry shot that down fast. No, that's it. No. No, that's not it. <laughs> it has nothing to do with Mike at all. Okay, great. Are you okay. sure, Terry? <laughs> oh, what? Wow. Uh, it oh. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's working on me now. Mm, <laughs> I knew it. Ooh, <laughs> show's getting weird. Yeah, let's stop. A lot, there's a lot of room in that house now. <laughs> Terry, pack up your sleeping bag. The, no. I'm good. Oh, what? sorry, Mike. Poor sorry. Wow, ouch. <laughs> sorry. Jeez. This Son conversation has gone astray. Son of a bitch. All right. <laughs> so, Justin. Lo lone wolf. What? Lone wolf? <laughs> okay, Pee Wee Herman. All right. Um, Dottie. <laughs> yeah, Dottie. <laughs> okay, Justin, what about you? Another guilty pleasure. Another one from me. What? Oh, I said it too soon. I'm sorry. What? Death Spa? Death Spa. You guys familiar? <laughs> no. This is one of my one of my VHS treasures that I have from back in the day that I held on to for so long. I still have it. And it just recently got issued by the new Gorgon label. Yeah. What? By MPI. They're doing this whole Gorgon reissue thing now. And so it's on Blu-ray finally. Which it skipped DVD and went directly <laughs> to Blu-ray, and it's it's a, it was 1987, and it was at the height of like the trendy fitness boom, 
where it was like, you know, workout clothes and all those uh, cable beach shows where people are working out in the beach by the ocean and all that was happening. You had hard bodies movies and all the rest of that going on. So it was like this big thing. So Death Spa is a story of a, a spa where there's um, a computer-controlled group of equipment. So like everything in the club is controlled in this main room by this computer, and this guy sits back there and controls it, whatever, throughout the day. It's got Ken Forey in it and some other people, most notably him. But anyway, <laughs> this, through a really weird backstory that's explained that involves fire and wheelchairs, the computer system in this club ends up possessed. And it starts offing the patrons of the health club. So, you know, and, and it plays on things that are great. There are some movies that find things from everyday life and make them scary. Or things that you might have thought about. Like when, like, I think that Maximum Overdrive did this too. You're standing in front of a soda machine and think, God, how horrible would it be if this just started shooting cans at my balls? Uh-huh. And then you watch Maximum Overdrive, and that's brought to reality. Yeah. How many times have you been in the gym? I'll just stop there. How many times have you been in the gym, and you're looking at the equipment as you're working out on it and thinking, this is a lot of a fucking, like, this is like horror movie stuff. This is some medieval <laughs> equipment, and, you know, pipes and weights and things could impale you all over the place. And this movie offers all of that, plus more. So it's people being killed in a variety of ways in a in a health spa, and then it ends up at this crazy party scene that's a lot like Carrie in a way, where everyone's trapped inside the club and there's all kinds of mayhem going on. It has supernatural elements, a plethora of nudity, lots of gore, really weird kills, lots of 80s shit, so it just feels 80s. It's like stepping back in time. And I love this minimalist synth score that it has. The score in it is fantastic. And the guys at MPI, talking about the Blu-ray, did a fantastic job on it. With a, the transfer's good. It's got commentary. It's got behind-the-scenes footage. And for a movie that most people haven't even heard of, it's really just a loving, lovingly assembled package here. I highly recommend Death Spa. It's, it's a really unique film, and it's of its time, so it feels very pure to the late 80s. And it has so many horror elements in it that I can't imagine anyone really being disappointed by it. It's, it's weird, but it's so fun. And it would be great with a, with a bunch of people. So I highly recommend tracking that disc down. Death There's spot. another movie that came out around the same time called Killer Workout that I also have on DVD <laughs> or on VHS. And I, that dates back to my VHS days as well. Killer Workout does. And it's nowhere, it doesn't hold a candle to Death Spa. And I always hoped that one of them would get released on DVD, on DVD, and I didn't think that it would hit Blu-ray in this deluxe edition that Gorgon put out. So, cool, cool so you, stuff. So you really shit when you saw that it was coming out. You're like, Oh, what? I flipped. I was like, there's no way this is going to happen because there's stuff that you hear about yeah. and it doesn't come out. Yeah. And I thought, this is one. Like, if they're, if they're testing the waters with this announcement to see, like, <laughs> okay, Reaction. how big is the audience going to be? They're not going to uh -huh. fucking put this thing out because it's going to be me and me buying it. Right. And... <laughs> So I was there, pre-ordered. Man, I love it. And I still watch it all the time. Like, it's one of those that I love to put on and just have in the background the score, the sound, everything in it. It's cool. You get to see Ken Forey dressed as a genie in it. So there's that. Whoa. Yep. A guy broken in half by this weightlifting machine. So good. <laughs> Despa, get it. Do it. Do it.
Think of any others, Terry? Um, no. Oh. Well, I mean, there. Are, I mean, there are the classics that yeah. I like Troll Two, and you know those sort of things. But I, I don't know. Like those, I, I guess I don't feel guilty for loving them. So I have a hard time calling those guilty pleasures. I don't know. I have a hard time with the terminology here of what should be classified. Oh still, God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I don't know. I like lots of really technically bad things. So, yeah. Need to have a Troll 2 party, though. It's been a long time. Make some new people watch it. That's the best thing ever. Always the best part. I used to do that in college. It was my favorite thing. I don't know. I can't think of anything. That's cool. The only other one I had on my list was The Happening. Yeah. It's good. A lot of people hate it. A lot of people don't like it. That's kind of recent, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was 2008. I thought it was good. Good. I knew you guys were cool. (laughs) But that goes for most all M. Night stuff. I, I actually like it. but Yeah. If Mike was anywhere near his computer, he would be fighting you right now, because I'm pretty sure he does not like the happening. Oh, I know. <laughs> I think he likes parts of it, but... Well, sure. Yeah, like, that that opening scene is so good. Like, Yeah. It's one of the best parts of the whole movie. You're like, what the fuck is happening? What is going on? And the shot with the gun. Yeah, I remember people. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we talked about it before, so I shouldn't go about it. Yeah, that might have been one you did on a previous Guilty Pleasure Yeah, I think episode, I remember that I now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I remember arguing with Joe now. Okay. Go figure. <laughs> and well, that's the end of the show. Good night, everybody. <laughs> oh, whatever. Oh, there he is. <laughs> what are we talking? What are we talking about? We're we're all out of our movies, so. Oh, I got I got a bunch. Um, uh huh. Terry, Terry, did you say you listened to the guilt, the original Guilty Pleasures episode? Well, there were two original ones. I don't know if you oh, remember we did, that. We did two? Oh, we did more than one. Yeah, there were two. Oh, so this is part three. Yeah, that's why I was Mike doing another one. But... <laughs> what? <laughs> what do we got? to Start over? What? What's the problem? You uh-huh. could you could tell he loves this topic, yeah, but because it's you could, his collection. You, you could tell when I slept. Yeah, exactly. That's true too. <sighs> I I can't. I mean, I did listen to both. I've listened to all of the older episodes, but I only well, I remember just, bits and pieces. I just I have a feeling that some of these I've brought up, but uh, well, I mean, I can lump together things like I'm a huge Herschel Gordon Lewis fan. You know, I love Blood Feast and Gruesome Twosome, Wizard of Gore, 2000 Maniacs being my favorite. Um, Gore Gore Girls, you know, and I even love, you know, his non-gore stuff like uh, Taste of Blood and and even some of his, like, you know, 
nudie cuties and crap like that. But uh, those movies are bad. Those movies are really bad. But I, I love them and I can watch them over and over and over again. And it's the same way with like um, Fernal and Ray movies or um, Jim Wynorski movies or Dave Dakota movies. Insane Mike movies. What? 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 Oh no! Did I say that out loud? Just kidding. But I can't remember if I've talked about this before. There's a trifecta of movies that I think I love, that I know are bad, but I think I only truly love them based on the experience of watching them. And that is Return of the Killer Shrews. Um. Uh, Dino Wolf. Yes. And Camel Spiders. Hell yes, and I agree. Triple All three, threat. and I watch and I watch them together. Isn't that it's weird? always like some version of those three <laughs> films grouped together. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the only problem is I still don't freaking have a copy of Dino Wolf, but I do have the other two. You know, uh, with Dino, it's crazy. The distribution on Dino Wolf is out of control. That movie is in two forms: Dino Wolf or Dire Wolf. And it's in, like, if you go to Walmart right now, it's in their $5 bin on DVD. Oh, and no shit. I, yeah, yeah and I'll, be right, a, I'll be right back. They have a cover for it that is a knockoff of Game of Thrones. Oh, what? yeah. Yeah, it's a guy, like, uh. dressed in sitting in a throne thing, and he has, a, like, wolves in front of him. I have no idea what clip art disc the picture was from. But, and then it says Dire Wolf at the top. I'm like, could that be? And then I look, and it's like a sheriff's battle against whatever i'm like holy shit it's that's fred's movie with the most misleading cover i have ever seen but that was the original title though because they call the creature dire wolf in the whole during the whole movie because that's what it is yeah, yeah. so yeah. and i have a version of it as dire wolf too that was on a multi-pack that i got once and i bought the pack it was like five bucks just to have it under the dire wolf title that's how much of a dildo i am and so I, I took that disc and I put it in the DVD. I got like a double case and put that in there with it. I'm such a nerd. I have a problem. I'll stop talking. No. No, that's awesome. Because out of the three, that one's probably my favorite. Anyway, mine too. So, oh, yeah, mine too. But not, you got me really excited to want to go to Walmart and, and try to find it. I never have. I put Gila in there too. So I, I would say oh, Return yeah. of the Killer Shoes, Gila, and then Dire Wolf and... Um, everything like, but this is, I don't, we, I don't, I don't think you said it yet. This dates back to us yeah. going to the second B movie celebration together. Yeah, and that's why those three are I I lump together because I'm with you. I also really like um, uh, Hilo a lot, and I I definitely want to get that one on on DVDs or Blu-ray, whatever format's available on, uh, as well. Um, which, because I, I never even it never even dawned on me at the time, but that that movie has um, I can never remember her name, but the the blonde girl, the lead girl from uh, Chopping Mall, is in it. So I really wanted to I really want to see it again. Are oh, you talking in Gila? In Gila, yeah. Kelly Maroney. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, and um, she's all grizzled and old, but yeah, it's a, what I like about that movie is that it's it's a Wynorski flick that. It sort of combines um, elements of what he's been doing now versus with elements of what he used to do, because now he's just all about the CGI monster flicks. And of course, this is this has an, this has elements of that, but mm-hmm. 
they they did it as it's set in the fifties, and so there's extra effort put in there. It's a hot rod <laughs> movie. It has other elements involved with it, and yeah, it's it it's, it succeeds in subtle ways. It's a fun flick, and I think it's a perfect companion to something to these other movies we're talking about. Well, and I know it was a, definitely a passion project for him. So I remember talking to him about it at the second B movie celebration, and just how pumped he was about. You know, doing a remake of of the uh, the giant Gila monster, so and it being one of his favorite um, classic black and white films. But the other three, I hold in such just high regard because those are the three that we watched during that particular weekend. It was such a fun weekend, all hanging out, and we had such a great time watching those movies. Um, because yeah. and 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 I know that's the only reason why I love those three movies. Because take Camel Spiders for example, which was made for the Sci-Fi Channel, and there's really nothing that distinguishes it from any of those other Sci-Fi Channel movies. And some of them I enjoy. Some of them are like meh. Some of them like I can't even get through. Um, and some some of them I I love. But Camel Spiders is like at the top of the heap of of all of that for me. I think it has more going for it than a lot of them do and I, and I think that part of that has to do with I, I like that they did a hybrid of shooting out west and in the midwest so it has a, a more genuine midwestern feel to it through a lot of it the spiders in it are cool yeah I, it, it's another one of those things like it's a hybrid of things it's a hybrid of periods for Jim I think on that and it's but I grew up in this, the first year that we went to B movie celebration, those films are the same thing for me. So I like that's where I really fell in love with Grizzly. I was going to say Grizzly of, almost yeah. made my list too. Cause it, that's like my go-to film. I mean, yeah. I and, and when I'm in a bad mood, I I for some reason just instinctively will find myself putting that in. And part of it is, it was that that movie has meant two things to me. That has meant B movie celebration the first year seeing it in the screen, and the print was not good, but it was okay. <laughs> it was yeah. better than Angry Red Planet, which Jim called the Angry yeah. Pink Planet, if you recall. Yeah. But, yeah. The, but it was still neat to see when the bear punches the, the girl's head off and all that, or the horse head off. Like, what the, the horse head, that? yeah. Oh, my God, so great. And, but that also, when I moved up to like Arrowhead, that's the first movie that I put in after I got there was Grizzly. It's all set in the woods, and I was living in the woods, and it just was perfect for me. And so it became one of my big movies to watch up there. So it, I hold on to it in a very special way. But I grouped that. It was Grizzly, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yep. Um, um, speaking of Kelly Maroney. Um, 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 Night um, of the Comet. Night of the Comet. Yeah. And... The, oh, that was so the, awesome watching that in the big screen with you guys. Oh, so oh yeah. Awesome. And The Cellar. Uh, which yes, was and you're right. Yeah, I should have mentioned that one too. I totally forgot about the cellar and just how that because that was even more extra special because it also felt like we were sharing an experience with Kevin. Yeah, with that. and that disc that he sent and he sent me a DVD of it that was off of his master, so it was the same thing that we saw in the theater, which is yeah. his cut of the film before all the producers got in and meddled with it and fucked it up. And that's even that's almost unfair to talk about on the show because you're not going to find the seller on DVD or Blu-ray. It's just not there. It's on VHS, yeah. and that was even limited because there's been such legal wrangling over the thing. But I have a VHS of it. it yeah, well, you, yeah, you have the producer's version of it. 
Well, yeah, the producer's version, yeah. Yeah, which would be cool. I would love to get that, too, to have maybe transferred over to DVD to put with the other one. Mm-hmm. But, these, but these movies will always coexist in my head. And I think that that's a lot from our youth. Don't you guys think that when we were kids, we didn't just usually go and rent a movie. Like now, especially if you're a parent, you rent a movie. But the way it was then, you would oh, go yeah. into the video place, you'd walk out with an armload of shit, and so your Hell weekend. yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it was marathons. It was not even themed necessarily, which is so great because that's how we discovered a lot of this real weird esoteric stuff that we adore so much is because we weren't just saying this weekend is Friday the 13th weekend. It was like, yeah, I'll get a Friday the 13th film, but I'm also going to get Microwave Massacre, and I'm also going to pull in Sleepaway Camp 2, and I'm also going to watch Squirm. And you take all that shit home, and that's your weekend, and with your friends. And so these experiences have so much to do with why we love this stuff. And these films only now exist as individual entities in our minds, I think. Because when we were kids, when we discovered this stuff, when we were the most impressionable, and when we were the most open to everything, without all of our stupid fucking hang-ups about everything, oh, I don't like CGI, oh, I won't watch a movie with this guy in it, oh, I, blah, blah, blah. Back then, we just wanted to watch. And that's what made it magic. And those, those movie weekends are what introduced us to what we love and the diversity of what we were experiencing. And I am a firm believer that we were living in a very special time when we committed ourselves to watching the movies front to back, first of all, and when we would go and, and we'd have a select few films that we would pay attention to the entire time because we weren't being distracted by a million other fucking things. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, uh, I really miss those times when you, when you bring them up like that. Yeah. Good old video connection. Just walking out of there was just a huge stack of movies, and it and that store was so just so had so much and was so um, eclectic that like you could just you could rent stacks and stacks and stacks and you'll never see everything that's in there. Good stuff. Good stuff. Stuff that is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, any other films we want to, uh, anybody want to bring up? Uh, my Anybody? list is tapped. I, I discovered one recently that's older, but that I am now, it's in my regular rotation. Is Ninja yeah. Ninja Three: The Domination? <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome! I've never seen the movie all the way through. I, I've seen enough of it to get what's going on. Um, but I, man, I, I, I want go well, because Shout Factory put that one out, didn't they? Yeah, on Blu-ray. Scre- Scream Factory yeah. did, and or it was well, one that Scream Factory did. Yeah, a lot of people were like scratching their heads, like, "What the hell is this film?" And even I was like, "What?" And then, so I got a copy of it. That's back when I was getting promos of everything because I was working for him. And so I got everything. And this is when I was just way too curious about, like, this is, there's got to be a reason why. It is so bonkers, this movie. Yeah. It's totally crazy. It has, it, it's a, a, a girl, a woman who gets possessed by the spirit of a ninja. And there's all this, supernatural activity in it there's floating swords in the beginning it opens up with this really bizarre 
there's a, a scene on a golf course where a ninja attacks these like wealthy golfer guys and starts just offing them. And then every cop and it, every cop in the planet shows up on this golf course by any means of vehicle necessary. So it's like there's like eight cop cars and they're jumping off of cliffs into ponds and you have a helicopter that comes and there's all these stunts involving jumping from trees to helicopter and then the helicopter like they dive out of the helicopter it's so crazy and it, the body count is huge in this thing it has so many bizarro elements in it that I totally get why they did it and it has it has enough horror I think to satisfy horror fans it's 1984 so it, it, it's, 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 again, very much of its time. And this was a big period for ninja movies. I remember yeah. watching, like, the American Ninja films and all that. Like, that was a big time for martial arts and cinema, especially low-budget cinema like this. But the exploitation aspects here are, are crazy. And then it has just really weird shit. Like, I mentioned the floating sword. But there's, a, like, the love scene between the two. It's Lucinda Dickey and some guy and he <laughs> she's unpacking her groceries and this is the weirdest thing to entice him she gets on top of him she unbuttons like takes her shirt open and she opens a can of v8 <laughs> <laughs> yeah and she dumps v8 like down between her boobs and he like licks it off of her in this central it's horrible like who the f i would be like go clean up now and come back and see me when you're done get the f what the fuck are you doing this is the clean sheets. We don't need V8 on them. And what could be less sexy than smelly tomatoey V8? It's all brown and gross. Anyway, but they play it up as though it's like, well, of course the audience is going to find this to be stimulating. Of course, what man doesn't want to see a woman with a perm pouring V8 juice on her jugs, right? <laughs> right. I, I love it. Buy this Blu-ray. No one else is buying it. It's another one that's like, when they... If they thought at all about this, I'm sure they would have thought, wait a minute, maybe we could double this up with something. But it got its own disc, and it's actually a Blu-ray DVD combo pack. <laughs> so it's like, well, we got a big audience for this one. We don't want to alienate anyone. Let's make sure to include both formats. And then I'm sure the, upper, the higher-ups are like, what? What movie? They're like, Ninja 3. It's going to be huge. And they put it I out, and then I'm sure nobody bought it. I've seen the scenes where she's like doing jazzercise or some such shit. Oh, there's that too. Yeah. And then and then like the uh, the ghost sword comes floating in and yeah. all the lights go crazy. There's this like ghost sword where you very visibly see the string. Oh, all the strings are yeah. The whole thing is the string <laughs> or, or, or visible. But probably the craziest thing about this movie is like what what the fuck is Ninja One and Two? <laughs> well, yeah, they never existed. And that's, the great, that's one of the greatest things about it is that it's playing off of the ninja trend at the time and just trying to confuse audiences into thinking, oh, well, this is the third in the ninja movies. I'm going to check this shit out. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen the others because they all kind of <laughs> blend together at this time. It's like, well, you, it's like yeah, you know, yeah like, exactly. It's just like, oh, Ninja 3. Well, you know, if it's the third one, it must be part of a good franchise or something. Yeah, exactly. I love and ninja movies. Yeah, and you walk into it, and it's, well, of course, she works on telephone lines. That's what she does. We established that in the first two films, I'm sure. And the VA <laughs> thing is probably a nod back to something at some point <laughs> in the other films. But it has James Hong in it, first of all. And I'll watch anything with James Hong in it. Yeah. I, 
I worship that guy. He is so great <laughs> in everything. And the the main ninja guy, Show Kazuki, is he did a bunch of stunts in all these films. He's been in everything. And so the stunts are great and they're real. And yes, it's practical. Yes, there's strings everywhere that you're seeing. But it has so much charm. And it's so dumb and so good. Check it out. It's worth the money. It can't be that expensive on Blu-ray. I just looked up some trivia on um, IMDb. It says it's the third and final of three ninja movies in the um, Golan Globus canon ninja trilogy. The first and second one and second films were Enter the Ninja from '81 and Revenge of the Ninja from '83. All films unrelated in terms of story. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and so, give it the most generic name possible. Yeah. It's really unclear as to what it's a part of and throw it out there. <laughs> awesome. Good pick. Good pick. Man, I want to see the whole movie so bad. You must. <clears throat> well, I can throw out a, a few honorable mentions real quick. I um I thought about it. I think I brought it up not so long ago on another episode. And I'd have say probably one of my um, um, biggest guilty pleasures because it is one I'm actually embarrassed that I like it or at least I've watched it more than more than once which is saying a lot um, Redneck Zombies anybody Redneck Zombies released by Troma I remember the, t- the cover for it oh yeah Excellent. It's 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 really really dumb and bad, and it's um, it was like advertised back in the day as as like the first first movie released on er, released um, that was shot on VHS. Like that's an act like that's the biggest selling point of this movie that it was shot on, on VHS. But it, it's it's really bad. It's it is actually it is actually embarrassing to admit it, liking that movie. And another one that I'm probably actually embarrassed about liking is um, Tales from the Crypt Bordello of Blood. Well, that's Anybody? a Corey Feldman one, isn't it? Well, he's in it, but yeah, starring Dennis Miller. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Basically oh, yeah. playing the preacher. Dennis Miller. Wasn't there a preacher like angle there's with a, it where it's like. Yeah, there's a preacher in it. And I think the preacher was played by um, Chris Sarandon. Chris Sarandon. Right? Yeah. 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 And he and, plays a private private detective, uh, Dennis Miller does. Right. Yeah. And it's it is bad, but I actually and here's here's the guiltiest part of the whole thing. I like it better than Demon Knight. Whoa. As far as Yeah, as far as the Tales from the Crypt movies go. And I think I have mentioned it before on on um previous guilty pleasure episodes, but I'm a I, I actually, as much as I make fun of a fun of them, I am actually a pretty big fan of um, the works of John Russo, like Midnight and The Majorettes. I actually really like those movies, and I shouldn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and what's the name? Um, Flesh Eaters, um, Bill Heinzman's movie that he directed 
basically ripping off his character from that he played in Night of Living Dead and, and tried to turn it into a feature film. It's really, really bad. I really, really like it. So those are my honorable mentions. Anybody else? Yeah, maybe we should move on then. Let's do that. Let's take a break and come back and do some segments, maybe? Yeah. Alright, let's do it. Good evening. It's intermission time. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies, hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. So add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight. We hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies. Do you find your life lacking meaning and purpose? Do you get up every morning and say, there's gotta be a better way. Are you a horror film fan and don't understand why your friends and family hasn't seen Necromantic? Do you know people who say that they love Jason from the Nightmare on Elm Street movies? Are you bored with your current podcast? Do you find yourself answering these questions out loud and getting weird looks from other people in your office? Well, now you never have to worry about those nasty stains again. Now you have meaning to your boring, miserable life because now you can listen to... Attack of the Killer Podcast. That's right, Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Podcast has all the vitamins and minerals for a well-balanced breakfast. On Attack of the Killer Podcast, you can marvel at the crew as they discuss various horror films, such as High Tension and High, high tension. Listen with your ear holes as the attackers pick a topic and then derail from that topic for at least an hour every episode. Be extremely disturbed as you learn the true love Insane Mike has for his Jason Goes to Hell DVD. But wait, there's more. The gang at Attack of the Killer Podcast give you their guarantee that every episode will contain at least two hours of in-depth horror discussion. Or at least until they get bored, which usually happens after about the first 30 minutes. Listen to what this satisfied customer has to say about Attack of the Killer Podcast. Who the hell are you? What are you doing in my bathroom? So don't wait. Follow the rest of the mindless sheep and listen to Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Podcast can be heard at attackofthekillerpodcast.com or at stitcher.com. You can also follow Attack of the Killer Podcast on Facebook at Attack of the Killer Podcast or on Twitter at AOTKP. So act now. Offers limited. Operators are standing by. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, welcome back. It is segments time here on Attack of the Killer podcast, and we're going to start off with a little bit of shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! Alright, so I just asked what are your guilty what are your guilty pleasure horror films? And on Facebook we had a few. Uh, Mark Morris, he says the slime people. I've watched it a hundred times, still love it. Have you seen it? I've never actually seen the slime people. Mark's cool, man. He really likes those old old films. That's cool. Uh, Justin Jordan says Evil Dead Two. What? What? Justin, a guilty pleasure. Justin. Why would you ever be guilty for that? Yeah. Ever. Scream it the from hell. Yeah. Stand okay. proud. That's right. 
And then uh, Randy Snodgrass second says Slashers from 2001. Slashers? No? I'm trying to think. Uh, maybe I, I don't think I have seen that one. Virgin Witch? I think that's a Hammer film. Murder Set Pieces? Oh. <laughs> and Sisters from 1972. Sisters is a good movie. Why well, be ashamed of that one? That's uh, early Brian De Palma. Well, must not. Some people must not like it. Whatever. It's good. And then we have Gerald Martin. He says Galaxy of Terror, 1981. He said I can't believe all these people are in the same movie. One particularly notorious scene, and I still love the ending. Yep, very. I'm pretty sure he's talking about um, the giant slug that rapes a woman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah who? Couldn't yeah, I, I can. I can understand that. I mean, I like the movie a lot too. But uh, I have this DVD called um, "The Hundred Worst Movies of All Time," and Galaxy of Terror is one of is one of those listed. So I get it, you know, why it would probably be a guilty pleasure. But it's still a fun movie, and he's right. It's got. It's got a ton of people in it. It's got Joni, who you know from um, Happy Days. She's kind of the star of it, and then it's also got Sid Haig and Robert England. Boom. <laughs> okay. Well, then I also uh, and then on Twitter, um, Sean Hutchins at uh, FatPunk68 says, 13 Ghosts and House on Haunted Hill." Love me a cheesy remake. I like the remake. Yeah. Well, I've only seen 13 Ghosts. I haven't seen House on the Hill. But I hear it's good. Yeah, no, it was good. And I did really like 13 Ghosts as well. I thought yeah, it's good. Both but I still, I still wonder, though, too, because, Jason, remember <laughs> we watched that when it came out on DVD... And did we watch like the the backstory special feature first, the one that explained the ghosts, oh. um, all the backstories of the ghosts before or after? But that sure helped and made it even more awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's what I wonder. Like, would the movie be as good if we didn't watch that part? Because huh. yeah, I'm with you. I think it really enha- enhanced the enjoyment of the film, knowing the backstory of all those cool looking ghosts. True. And then uh, lastly on Twitter, our pal Nick's Muse at Camp Arawak says Blair Witch 2. And I know you like that one, Mikey. I like I it do. too. And I like it a lot. But I, mean, I can understand it being a guilty pleasure because it is <laughs> universally made fun of. So Yeah, people are harsh on that film. Yeah. I think people I just didn't get it. They didn't understand. They they weren't Im- ready to embrace something so different from the first one. They they yeah. they thought that it was that it needed to be that handheld approach at a time when handheld wasn't a big deal. Yeah. And so to go cinematic with it, but I think it worked really well. That's a cool movie. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? Was that Jamie Blanks who made that, or did he do the Urban Legends sequel? I like that too. It must have been the Urban Legend sequel because the Blair, the guy who did the Blair Witch, I cannot remember his name, but he's the documentary filmmaker that made the Paradise Lost movies. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
So I always found it I always found it interesting <laughs> that um, a documentary filmmaker did a a um, regular movie sequel to a movie that to of a movie that was originally shot documentary style. <laughs> and then uh, lastly, uh, we had someone call in, so let's listen to their message Sweet. now. Okay, gentlemen and Terry. I've grown to dislike the idea of a guilty pleasure. I mean, if I like Howard the Duck, I like Howard the Duck. It uh, doesn't matter if everyone else hates it. However, in the spirit of the question, as asked, I'd have to say Maximum Overdrive is at the top. I adore that film, even though I know it's deeply, deeply flawed. I have yet to meet anyone else who admits to liking April Fool's Day from 1986, either. But I fell in love with this when I read the novelization. It was years later before I got to see the movie on VHS. I also have a fondness for Tremors, but not the sequels. There's also a movie by these uh, prescribed film guys, Legend Has It, that I really enjoy. And some other one they did with roller skating demons or something like that. Demonica? I don't know. I only got to see it once, but it was a blast. Anyway, keep up the good work. Lil Wayne. Hey, and thanks for calling in. That was really awesome of you to do. Yeah. Thanks for calling. That's awesome. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get to it fast enough. You can, you can always call in, uh, anytime you you want to leave a comment, or complain or whatever you want. You can call at four one five nine five two six eight five seven. That's otherwise four one five nine five AOTKP. We like to hear from you. And that's shout outs. Shout outs. Thank you for that, Jason. And now we're going to go to the world of books with Wicked Words from Where Tear. title of my uh my segment there for a second i was gonna try I, no i was gonna try to tie in being trying to tie in about something about you being sick into your uh, intro but i i just kind of gave up yeah i considered trying to do a really sultry talk on wicked words with wear tear today but you're not now oh well i mean you know yes i am <laughs> Anyway, um, this time around, it's going to be a little different. Um, normally, I do a, a book versus movie comparison. And this time, I'm just kind of going to give a shout out to um, a graphic novel series that I really enjoy. It hasn't really been turned into any sort of film or TV. I believe that they made a, a pilot episode that never really... Um, turned into anything, unfortunately. But um, the series is called Lock and Key. It's spelled L-O-C-K-E. Um, written by Joe Hill. Um, illustrated by Gabriel Rodriguez. 
I adore this series. Um, I believe it started being released back in 2008. I didn't get into it until recently. And they've released it in a six-volume set. It's just such a fantastic story. Um, and there are lots of horror elements to it. Um, it's based around this family um, early on in the series. I'll try not to spoil too much of anything here, but... Um, these kids, there's these three kids, um, and their father gets murdered. And after that point, they have to relocate to the family estate, which is called Key House, and it's located in Lovecraft, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, the story is so creative, and I can't really get it too terribly into it without spoiling all of the awesomeness, but... Um, Basically, this house, they start to discover that there are lots of supernatural elements, and they kind of go back to when their father was a teenager in high school. So there's there's a lot of histor of historical background from him, and you it slowly unfolds, and you see that there are supernatural elements going on as well. Um, there are keys sort of hidden throughout this property and each key has a special ability. It can do some crazy shit like without spoiling any of them. There's, well, there's a, like there's a gender key. And when you use the gender key, you can be a male or female and you can switch back and forth or um, there's a head key that you can, open up your brain and take out memories or put in memories and there's just some crazy shit going on um and then there's like evil spirits that are trying to take vengeance on the family the whole time and murdering people and shit and it's not only is the story great but it's just beautifully illustrated it's it's phenomenal and i love it so i just thought i would give a quick recommendation of that series be sure to check it out. Awesome. That sounds cool. And f- freaky and nightmare. It is. It's awesome. You will... Uh, you can fly through those within a day. I mean, they're just awesome. And it's, and it's great because the entire series is out, so you don't have to wait for... <laughs> the story to further along you don't have to wait in anticipation of it you can just plow through the whole thing and it's amazing awesome well I guess it's time for Insane's Picks thank you Jason okay so this episode of Insane's Picks, picking a movie I had seen not that long ago um, at a friend's house, uh, and that is 2011's Snow Shark. Oh, shit. Yes. Oh, my you God. You are a good man, Mike. <laughs> this movie's awesome, because uh, all I have to really say about it is that it's a shark that kills people that lives... In the fucking snow. 
so cool. What's awesome about it is is um, they really they use practical effects. They don't do any CGI. You know, so instantly you think, okay, it's just another sci-fi, blah 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 blah, all CGI sharks. But no, they they use a lot of like miniatures and and stuff to uh, to do the special effects. But basically, in this town, people start disappearing and getting killed off um, by this shark that uh, lives in the snow, and it is amazing and hilarious. And there's some boobs in it, and um, <laughs> I was just giddy with joy watching watching this movie. My favorite being I'm going to spoil it here because it's so amazing is the final scene in the cemetery where the final person gets attacked by by the snow shark. Because <laughs> what what was cracking me up about it is like the shark is in the cemetery. So the snow can only be maybe like a few, because you can see full-sized tombstones, right? They're not that buried. <laughs> so the snow should only be like maybe two feet deep at best. At best. Yet there's this full-sized shark underneath the snow <laughs> killing people. Uh-huh. It's amazing. And then there's some amazing, awesome performances uh, by some actors in there. Uh... There's a Professor Jonathan Hoffman, <clears throat> played by Michael O'Hare, who may or may not be special. We haven't figured that out yet, but uh, it's definitely a fun movie, definitely a movie to watch with your friends, and uh, definitely check out Snow Shark. Do mm. it now. Because... <laughs> Because everyone else is just chum. Oh. Hey, that's their tagline, not mine. Is it? <laughs> According to IMDb. Oh, man, that's brutal. Huh? Yeesh. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the Saints picks. So I understand, Justin, you had some more uh, Guilty Pleasure titles. I just thought of a couple more. That okay. one is I'll burn through them quickly. One is Slaughter Studios, which came out in it's a from New Concord, which is Roger Corman, two thousand two. I may have mentioned this before. This is the last film to be shot at his studios, and so it's about these uh, haunted B movie studio, and but it's all on the sets, of the sound stages and everything that Roger used forever from the beginning, and um. All of the schlocky, you know, B elements are a part of this for sure. It's about a group of people going in to make, to take a, to shoot a, a movie in these studios, which have been abandoned for a long time after a, one of the actors in a movie is killed while shooting, and then his spirit haunts the place, and so one by one they start being picked off, and it's full of all the things you love about Roger Corman, especially, like. 90s and 2000s Roger Corman stuff which is just full of boobs and blood and silliness and it's fun and there's a decent disc out um, from new all the new Concord discs are decent at best as you know but it actually has a commentary on it which is nice kind of rare for them with the comment with the director 
recommend Slaughter Studios. That's a fun one. And then a couple older films that not many people talk about. I don't know if they're really guilty pleasures, but there are two movies that I don't hear people discuss very much. The first is The Mask of Fu Manchu, which is the most sadistic Boris Karloff performance ever, where he is he plays Fu Manchu in it, and he's he's really into torturing people in bizarre ways. And and the film is it's nuts. It's uh it's it's almost cruel to a fault. It just it gets so close to walking that line because of how sadistic he is and the things that he does to people in it. But it's it's very well made and not of its time. And I talk about of its time, you know, I've used that term for those eighties films. This thing, it's a timeless film, but the violence in it and the darkness of his humor in it and the way that the character everything about it it seems like it was made during a different era like it would have been made during the 70s to look like it was made back then so that's a that's a really cool film and um, then man-made monster which is a Lon Chaney film that not many people have probably seen from 1941 where there he Lon Chaney plays a carnival performer there's a bus crash at the beginning. It runs into a power line, and almost everyone on the bus is killed, but he survives. And he ends up having these special powers as a result of it. And so it involves, and this is early, like, not early, this is universal during the early 40s. And so it was kind of a transition period for the studio. But they were trying to keep up with what was becoming this, you know, everyone was, this is the beginning of talking about the dangers of atomic and electricity and all of that. And, and this film really plays, or preys on that. And it has some pretty cool glowing special effects around him. And I, loved, I just love the fact that he, it's again, it's similar to his Lyle Talbot character where he's inflicted with something that he doesn't necessarily want, but that the people around him have embraced and tried to sort of harness. And so that's the story, Man, Man-Made Monster. And that can be found, there's a, a box set that came out from Universal a while back. It's like a five-disc set, or two-disc set, but like five-film set called Universal Horror Classic Movie Archive. It has The Black Cat, Man-Made Monster, Horror Island, Night Monster, and Captive Wild Women. And if you want to pick up Mask of Fu Manchu, it's on an excellent collection that has Mark of the Vampire, which is Lugosi's last great turn as a vampire. It's so good. I love that. It's Todd Browning did it. And it's on the same disc as Mask of Fu Manchu. So that disc alone is worth the purchase. And then Dr. X and Return of Dr. X, which is the return as Humphrey Bogart in it in a very uncharacteristic role. And then Mad Love and Devil Doll. And that one's called Hollywood Legends of Horror Collection, which is all Warner Brothers, like Warner Brothers horror stuff from back at that time. So there's a few more additions to the list. Sweet. Awesome, good ones, good ones. Oh, I remembered one I kept I kept meaning to bring up, but uh, I have a huge love for Italian horror. But one of them that ends up in my DVD player more than any others of late, and it's so weird because it's probably one of the worst ones. And that's Nightmare City. Like I watch Nightmare City constantly, and it's just a bizarre movie because. It plays like it's a zombie movie, but it's but is it a zombie movie? It's just basically these guys that go crazy with like burnt oatmeal glued to their face, and the whole movie starts off 
with there's a plane landing. It lands at this airport, and you know they've tried to have uh, radio communication with it, but nobody's saying any. You know, no one's saying anything. So they got the military out there, guns ready, and then the door slowly opens, and all of these like crazed zombie-esque guys come running out with like machine guns and and machetes and they just go on this like killing murdering eating rampage it is it's a it's such a bizarre movie um and the ending the ending is uh the most bizarre because it turns out the whole movie was a dream uh by this reporter and then he goes then he goes on his next assignment and it's the beginning of the movie again. So, if you get a chance, check out Nightmare City. It's actually on Netflix, so you should check it out. But, uh, yeah, that one's oddly my one of my favorite Italian movies of late. But anyway, I guess that's it. Cool. That's yeah. all we got. Yeah. We feel the guilt has been purged. <laughs> So with that said, this concludes another episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. I almost did Almost. Slow her down, slow her down. I screwed it up at the beginning this time, so how much slower can I go? Attack of the Killer podcast. Attack of the Killer podcast. Thanks, guys, for being on. Thanks, Terry, for coming on even though you're sick forging ahead at least yeah. Terry showed up what a trooper <laughs> uh no prob and thanks to our good buddy Justin, Justin for jumping on so happy to have you back on buddy it was fun guys thanks for having me back you bet so until next time you guys keep watching those horror movies and uh We'll be talking to you again soon. Bye. Oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the killer.